0: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang on another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Welcome to the Hoosier Hysterics, powered by...
1: Peaks. It's getting better each time, isn't it? I think we've got it down now, yeah. I got to tell you, if I look at my text right now, my mm-hmm. texts on my phone, Yep, yep. Jeff Rabjohns, Mike Pegram, and Ken Bykoff are all on my first page of texting. Brian Snow is on like page two because he doesn't text me that much. I don't want anybody to think we're like such good friends. Right, right. But those three from Peeks are on my first window. Ward, I have made it. Is it, is it
0: easy to look at your children and tell them dreams really do come true?
1: It, it is, except that when I look at my children, I just see the faces of Jeff, Mike, and Ken. Wow,
0: gee, that's weird. Because you do have cute kids. And I, you...
1: Anybody out there who needs a fix and needs to feel better about Indiana University going forward or just needs to cathartically go through some content, you got to subscribe to Pigs.com. It's the only place to be.
0: Yeah, it's a support group for people like us. It
1: is that's you know what when you think about it as a support group, you're paying like 9 bucks a month for a support group for your mental health? Of course you would pay that. That's a, that's a good copay. It's a great copay. I mean, you could actually probably submit it to your insurance. <laughs> is it on Obamacare? I think the ACA does cover peaks, yes. The All 24/7 right. package. Ward, I am so happy though that you're back because the last one I had to do of these you were not there. It was it, tremendous. It didn't feel good. Really? I mean, well, it felt great because Brian Snow's amazing. Yeah, no. But no, we're the Hoosier hysterics. It's plural.
2: I, it's y- plural.
0: You know, I I uh, I got to say, I didn't miss me. I listened to the whole two hours. I didn't miss me at all. Ward, at the end of it, I thanked everyone for watching. Well, you know, look, we I all make- I thank them ma- <laughs> for watching. <laughs> but you, you made it into a funny bit. It was great. Yeah, I made it into a funny bit because I don't know how to edit uh, <laughs> I would have taken it out to make myself sound smarter, but I couldn't do it. It was uh, it was an amazingly uh, information-packed, uh, entertaining two hours. You asked him everything and more I possibly could have wanted well, to ask Well, I
1: don't agree with that. It's always better with you. And now we need to talk about that. Has anything else happened since that interview?
0: It's over. Thank goodness it's over. It's over. It's over. And now there's nothing left to watch this season.
1: Look... We wanna to get to what we're gonna to get to today. So I don't wanna harp on this. It's definitely the most disappointing season I can remember in a long time. There there were others. I Crean's last year was really disappointing. Because we had OG and Thomas and Blackman and Johnson, and it felt like, well, we've got two NBA guys and like a fringe NBA guy. Like, we've got a, some real talent. But when OG got hurt, it just felt like, well, the wheels are going to fall off.
0: It all fell apart. But this one. And that season started so well. Yes. And same with this one.
1: Yeah. And this one, we had Romeo yeah.
0: and yeah. Juan. Right. But that season, we had like. Already very established, high-end talent, and then we took out like UNC and Kansas in the sure. first few games. Uh, but this one, this one, the expectations weren't that high—not for me. But I'm like, certainly this is a fringe uh, top twenty-five team for most of the season. Uh, maybe top five. Top five. I want to be top five in conference and definitely be in the
1: tournament. Yes, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's just just devastatingly disappointing yeah um
0: and i will say obviously injuries were a huge part of the story and they always will be but at the end of the day one still can't help but feel like this is a team that should have been playing in the ncaa tournament
1: i've also read a lot about you know oh it's all about the three-point shooting i know archie brought that up a lot that we just were a bad three-point shooting team yeah we were but that wasn't the biggest problem with this team in my opinion I i go back to what coverdale told us we didn't have enough guys that had the FU in them. And I really think that that, that's what makes up for not having good three-point shooting. We just didn't have enough of those guys consistently throughout the year who just were going to take the season by the throat and not allow it to go south. And we just didn't have enough of that. It's just not part of this team overall yet.
0: Yeah, I I can't reduce it to any, I think, one, two, or three things. But as soon as the game was over, not as soon as the game was over, like the next morning, I'm like, look, I can slice this and dice this a dozen different ways of why we should have been better or why we were worse. End of the day, I thought we should have made the tournament with this team, and we didn't, and I'm disappointed,
1: period. Totally agree. I'll tell you what I thought about the day after the season was over. I needed something to be happy about. Mm-hmm. And that's when we locked in the interview that we have today. Yes. And thinking about this gentleman, it just brings me back to such happy moments that he gave us forever. Yeah. Yep. yep. That I've just been so excited to talk to him. Well,
0: in a present that is bleak, maybe... Optimistic, I'm still optimistic about the future with our current uh coach. I'm still optimistic. Me too. Me too. But regardless, the, the present is bleak. This gentleman brought the brightest single ray of sunshine to Hoosier Nation since our last national championship.
1: And the gentleman we are talking about is a graduate of Shades Valley High School in Birmingham, Alabama, where he graduated his senior year with a 3.5 GPA. He was a top 75 recruit by all the services, as high as top 25 by ESPN. He was a member of the all Big Ten freshman team, his freshman season. He was Big Ten Freshman of the Year by the Sporting News and FoxSports.com. He is one of only four players in the history of Indiana basketball to be on the top ten career list in scoring and rebounding. Ward, who are the other three?
0: Well, I nailed the first two right away, which was Allen Henderson and Kent Benson. And then you had to coach me a little bit, but I got there with Don Schlunt.
1: Absolutely. He is... He was He's 10th in three-point field goal percentage for a career at 42.4%, which also includes his senior year, where in Big Ten games, known for its defense, this gentleman shot 51.5% from three-point line.
0: Is he related to Steph Curry?
1: <laughs> no, he is related to Trendon trend in we'll get into that later he is third all-time in free throws made he is fourth all-time in games played at indiana and he is second all-time in game starting as you so eloquently said before he is the provider of the single greatest moment in the history of mankind yes <laughs> i will go with that ladies and gentlemen please welcome christian
2: watford
3: What's going on, guys? Man, just happy to be here, man. I'm glad you guys allowed me to be on your podcast, and uh, you know I can't wait to get started. Let's get it.
1: All right. Well, first of all, don't ever say we allowed you to be on the podcast. <laughs> Good lord. No, nah, man, y'all, y'all allowed me, man. I Appreciate y'all. <laughs> no, reaching out for you sure. allowed us to talk to the legend, and we are excited okay. about it.
0: So, Christian, mm-hmm. where, where are you at right now? What's going on with your life?
3: Oh uh, man, I'm in um, I'm in New York, man. I got a game tonight. We play Long Island, Long Island next tonight. Brooklyn's uh, G League team. We actually uh, in the playoffs. So it's a, it's a it's a one game elimination got that March Madness kind of feel and you know we all we all excited and we helped around here.
0: In what round of the playoffs right now?
3: Uh, we're in the quarterfinals. Yeah, quarterfinals.
1: So what is life like in the G League? Talk to us a little bit about what it's like playing in that league.
3: Uh man, it's it's different, man. Um, it's a lot of changes go into this. Uh, you know, a lot of roster changes, guys coming in, guys coming out, guys being sent down from the. Uh, from the from the Raptors, you know the Raptors organization. So it's a lot of changes, man. But I feel like it's a great league, man. It's um, definitely for a stepping stone to get to the next level. Uh, you playing in front of GMs nightly, and uh, you know I feel like it's probably the best, second most talented league in the world behind the NBA. So you know it, it's good, man. And um, I've been I've been enjoying it so far. Now, do
0: the coaches in in those teams and the structure of those teams? Is it a lot about player development more so than like, hey, we're trying to win as many games? Is there a greater focus and practice and day to day on just your skill development?
3: Uh it depends. Um, I've been in a couple of organizations. Uh this one it's more for the development as a player and the development of, you know, trying to win the um trying to win a G League championship. And I've also been to some where it's based on your your solely development to go to the next uh, level. And um, you know, go to a, get a call up and go play and whatever team. But this this organization I'm in right now, the Raptors organization, is more for about their organization for sure.
1: And Christian, you're in New York tonight, but where is home right now for you? Uh, I'm in Mississauga,
3: Ontario, right now. I've been there whole seasons. So I've been there like six months. And which what... is like right out, right outside of Toronto. I mean, it's like 20 minutes from Toronto.
1: And what's it like being a Canadian right now?
3: Hey man, it's cold. It's real cold. It's real... <laughs> We done had a rough winter, man. It's been I'm talking about a lot of snow, but hey, it's uh it's fun though, man. Toronto's a nice city. Um, it's one of, it's one of the probably one of the best cities I've been to. Like it's, even even though it's cold, bro, the, the city doesn't stop moving. It's and a lot of things to do, and it's
1: fun. Now you you had some real Bloomington cold. I know you're from Alabama, so you didn't get a lot of real cold uh-huh. down there. But what is what is the Canadian winter compared to the Bloomington winter?
3: Uh, it's, it's 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 worse. It's uh it's magnified for sure in 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 Canada. But uh, I mean, Bloomington was fine. I got used to it. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be as Bloomington was, but it was fine.
1: And and I'm just curious on your personal game. How has your game changed at all for explaining it to fans that remember you very well from your four years at Indiana? Has your game evolved? How would you describe it now compared to what we last saw in Bloomington?
3: Uh well in, in Bloomington uh I will tell you in Bloomington uh kind of kind of a do it all type of guy in the NBA and in the G League it's more about finding your niche man and what's your calling card call when you do obviously mine is to stretch the floor shoot the ball and you know what I'm saying try to defend multiple but in Indiana you know you kind of you kind of had the the realm you kind of had the floor to do multiple things on the floor when when in the NBA they might put you in and they just only want you to do one specific thing so I think some guys have a lot you know obviously I've been here a while now so. I kind of understand and and, and know their process, but a lot of guys coming out early don't really understand that, hey, in this league, like, they already got guys that's going to score the ball. You know what I'm saying? You may have to find your niche doing other things, whether it may be screening, maybe rebounding, maybe getting those guys open. So it's just, you know what I'm saying? You just got to find your niche, man, and that's how you stay in it. That's that's how you stay in it. I've seen seen guys make that leap for sure.
1: I have to ask, and we'll get into uh, this moment that I'm referring to later, but – have you hit uh-huh. any buzzer-beating three-pointers in the G League?
3: No, I had not hit any. I've hit some. I've hit some. Some not buzzer-beating. I've hit some game winners where you come down, and you get a stop. But I hadn't hit anyone. Any? I don't be, I hadn't hit another shot at the buzzer for sure. So and if I don't and if I don't, that's perfectly fine because I've, I've I've done that. I've yeah, done that. You're not going to beat I'll
1: that take, one. You're not going to beat right. that one. I'm
3: not. I'm not going to beat that one no matter what it is. So hey, I deal with. I take it.
1: So Christian. We always like on this show to start at the beginning, so can you do us a favor and take us back to you as a child growing up in the football-rich state of Alabama, and when and how you fell in love with the game of basketball?
3: I just, I don't know, man. I just kind of fell in love with. Like I said, I played, I played all three sports. A uh, big-time football fan, uh, played football. We're growing up all the way into the seventh grade, man. But it just kind of, kind of kept getting too tall, man, and uh, you know. Was playing AU basketball and, and just started to fall in love with it and had some had some initial success with it just because of you know my heights my height and you know I had friends that was playing so I kind of just fell in love with it from there man and I and you know you know it just kind of transferred into me being a pretty pretty good player.
0: Now you said your father had played in junior college. What? Was he pretty instrumental in helping coach you up at a young age?
3: Oh for sure he, he coached me a lot uh, all the way through uh, all the way through high school and you know. You know, all the way through um, middle school and everything, man. So he, that was a real big part of it. Uh, he made sure I was, you know, learning the basket,
1: learning the game, and
3: you know, we, we watched and we studied, and you know, it kind of just fell in love with it.
1: Who, when you were a kid, were you an Alabama football fan? Uh, I
3: was. I was. I still am. I still am to this day. Yeah. Wait, you're not an
0: <laughs> Indiana football fan? Of course I am. But I'm okay. <laughs>
3: I'm a big I'm a big road football fan for sure. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: that's that that's a good a good one to keep.
1: I wasn't aware Indiana had a football team. I was not aware uh, of that. I don't yeah, know. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. I wasn't aware either until I got on campus. So. <laughs> and it, even, and even then, it was a bit of a mystery.
3: Yeah, 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 nah, nah, nah
1: I
2: don't
1: got it. <laughs> All right, so yeah. you're growing up, you're starting to play some basketball. Who are your basketball idols that you're looking up to? Are there certain players, whether it be college or a pro, that that you're looking at like this is my guy?
3: Oh, uh, actually, man, not really. I watched a lot of professional basketball. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I admired the, you know, the Michael Jordans and 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 the Kobe Bryants and 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 stuff like that. As far as as far as growing up in, in in college, man, I I was a more NBA fan. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really get into the college basketball realm of things till a little later on. When I was when I was when I was a little older. I started you know watching more watching more college basketball.
1: And what was it like when you got into the AAU circuit? And you are now you know you're in high school. You mm-hmm. are getting a lot of attention. You're in all the recruiting services. Do you remember what it was like that th- those moments where it first went from basketball's fun and I'm really good at it to oh wow now people are coming after me and and kind of putting the the pressure on to come to their school? Do you remember like the first coach that reached out to you or the first the first encounter you had with a, a recruiter?
3: Oh yeah, man! I can remember my first uh, my first back when well, back when I was coming up, it was all about letters and and stuff like that. And I got my first letter, man! I never forget. I was super excited. Of, from from Appalachian State, that was the first school that that, that that I received a, a questionnaire from. So I was I was excited, man. And then I just started getting, you know, tons of them start coming in and stuff like that. So I I definitely can remember that like like it was yesterday for sure.
0: Now, do you remember uh, when you first heard from Indiana?
3: Oh man, my I first heard from Indiana uh, probably my, want to say my sophomore year, my sophomore year in in, in high school. Um, one of, the, one of our one of assistant coaches used to come down and watch while I was in yeah, my, it was my sophomore year. When I was at while I was attending Hill Trustville High School, another another high school in uh, Birmingham that, you know, the coach came down and used to just come watch um, assistant coach named Benny Seltz, and that ended up being one of the focal points and, and main reason I, I came came to Indiana.
1: Now, did, did that was when Coach Crean had already taken over the Indiana program at that point?
3: Um no, sir. Actually
1: yeah, because your sophomore year, I think it would still have been Samson's, Samson's last last year. Last year.
3: Yes, I, it, it was. It was. Um, Benny Seltzer was at um, I want to say Marquette or
1: got it. Yes. Oh, it was that
3: Marquette with with Tom Crean And it kind of just they was recruit me for there, and then they got that job, and then they just hey. You know, we really want you to come to Indiana, and and it kind of just we just kind of build a relationship from there.
1: Did you know anything about the history or legacy of Indiana basketball when those conversations first started?
3: Oh, not really, but uh, the school the more the more they start recruiting me, I, I started watching more. Uh, man, I can remember I can remember watching you know Bracey Wright, obviously because I knew um you know I knew I knew Mike Davis. I had a little. Not my my father kinda knew him, kinda kinda played with him in, in, in Birmingham a lot growing up. So I kinda took a liking of just watching uh bracey Wright. That was what that was my favorite Hoosier player coming up, man, when I was when I was young. I didn't go to the final four when when the, um when Indiana played Maryland, I actually it was in Atlanta. I actually uh got a chance to go to like the fan fest and uh Dick Vitale. I received a signed Dick Vitale ball and you know, wasn't able to I wasn't able to go to the game, but I do remember, you know, all, all the fanfare stuff.
0: So that that's interesting because for for folks, you know, Eric and I are around forty. Um, obviously, you're you're a bit younger than that, but that that was really the last great run by an Indiana team. You know, it'd been a, a decade prior to that before they'd been to a Final Four. So so you did have some inkling as a, a young man that this this program had some history.
3: Oh yeah, for sure, man. I, that was, that was it. That's when I started noticing the, the tradition. Like I said, I, I didn't get to go to the game, but um, I went to I went to the practices. Uh watched 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 them practice uh, the open practice. Watched the Washington them in Maryland practice, and you know, just kind of just wild about it as as a kid, man. And um, you know. I, Crazy how he ended up going there and playing there for, for four years. I,
1: I'm glad that the only thing you learned from Bracey was not to be afraid to shoot. <laughs> yeah, no
3: doubt, no doubt. Man, Bracey was one of my favorite college players,
1: man. Man, for that sure. guy, he loved to shoot the basketball.
0: I think he still does. I he believe should. I believe he's still playing. Is that true?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. I think he is
1: playing overseas too. Wow.
0: Bracey's still getting his shots.
1: Oh, yeah, you sure. can you can rest <laughs> assured. All right. So when was the first time you met Tom Crean?
3: Oh uh, man, I can't really remember. Um, I I, was, I think it was around my, like I said, around my, around my sophomore year, I met him. He just recruited me real hard, man. Stayed on me, uh, kind of believed in me, man, and, and recruited me tough throughout it. So,
1: who were some of the other coaches? Were there uh, other people you were really considering when when you decided to come to Indiana? Who were the final contenders? Oh yeah, I had a, uh,
3: it was, it was, I had a Kentucky, um, Louisville, in, Indiana, Alabama.
1: In, uh, Memphis
3: at the time and uh I actually was uh me and men and, um me and Memphis had a good relationship when Cal when was there at Memphis he decided to leave go take Kentucky because when Kentucky was recruiting me but it was Gillespie that was recruiting me there I went to the elite camp and, and was on campus and went on unofficials there and then Cal took that job and I just he got a lot of recruits man I just wanted to come in and, and have an impact and, and play right away I didn't really want to I knew I knew some great players that I had in me, so I really didn't want to come in and just be be just chilling, you know, waiting on my time. So I kind of, I kind of decided to go that route. Well, so- you
0: certainly did. I mean, you came in and you played, you started all thirty one games as a freshman, isn't that right?
3: Yeah, man, it's big time
0: for now, sure. Now, now, when you're making that commitment, there that was a good class. You had Jordy Halsey, you had Mo Creek, Derek Elston. Were you early in that class to commit, or was it just a class you looked at making your commitment, being like, you know, how this shakes out. I, for a guy of my size and skill set, I, I see myself being able to contribute right away.
3: Oh, uh, I, I think I was one of the last ones to commit to it.
1: Except for Bawa Maniru.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. He may, he may have been. He may have been. Yeah, out but, you but you were. Always, so yeah, it was Elston,
1: yeah. Capo, Maurice, Jordy, you, and then Bawa. Yeah. You committed before they really took started Crean's first year, right? Right, 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 right. So you just committed to Indiana University. It's got great legacy. You remember uh-huh. the Final Four run, and then you watch Indiana University have just one of the worst seasons in the history of the school, maybe the worst season in the history of the school. Does any of that uh-huh. impact you as you're going through your high school season? Do you ever like scratch your head and go, "Oh man, did I did I make a mistake here?" What was uh, that no, like?
3: I really, I really didn't, man. I, I remember going and, um, you know, I just was assured that we had the class to come in and change it, man. And I knew I was going to get a lot of a lot of opportunity, uh, a lot of weight on my shoulders. But I, I wanted that. I want, I wanted to come in and have an immediate impact. Uh, and I, it never really wavered to me man i knew i knew he was going through a tough through a tough spot but i as a, as a kid i didn't realize like how hard it really was going to be you know what i'm saying i thought it was just gonna be you don't really you don't really think about it coming out of high school you kind of think it's just gonna be like a, a quick fix and you don't realize all all the stuff you're gonna go through and all the stuff that it's gonna take and all the sacrifices so you know that, that's why i really didn't it really didn't pop in my head about like oh like maybe I need to rethink this or something like that because I I thought it was going to be easy. Like, you know what I'm
2: saying? Like,
0: <laughs> oh, we're glad you did. Yeah, yeah now- I, thought,
3: I thought it was going to be just come in and man, be a quick fix. I knew we had some good players coming in, so I thought, hey, why not? Why we can't? come in and, and you know, turn it, turn it around.
0: I mean, you did make it look pretty easy as a freshman adapting to high-level Division One ball. You play, you start every game, you score 12 and rebound 6 a game. How were you able to, even when the team was struggling, able to come in against Big Ten opponents and and play so well right away?
3: Man, I played, let's say like this, man. I played through a lot of, uh, Coach Green did, did good, man. He allowed me to play through a lot of mistakes. Uh, obviously you know as playing as a freshman you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna have you're gonna have tough games but he allowed me to play through all of it man and and, and you know it, it worked out for us I started off started off real good man we was actually we thought we was gonna be pretty good because Maurice Creek was playing at a uh, at a high level then man and you know he had an unfortunate injury so it just you know it just, it just we just had to take a step back man and Man, I don't, I, it just went from there.
1: Yeah, I actually want to just get into it a little specifically because when you look at your stats in that freshman year, your first two—you have two exhibition games. Uh-huh. You you go for nineteen and eleven in one of them. You go for thirteen and four in the other. And then your first two games, you put up double doubles in your first yeah. two games as an Indiana Hoosier. Uh-huh. You, you win all four of those games—the two exhibition and the two first first uh, regular season games. At that point, are you thinking, "Oh boy, this is"? This is easy. We got this.
3: We're gonna win I mean, a bunch I'm, of games. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Before I, I remember, like it was yesterday. We played two games, and we was going to. Um, we was going to not Maui, but we was going to uh, Puerto Rico, the, the third game. And uh, I had two, two, two double doubles. I'm thinking, man, this college is not that hard as I, as I thought it was gonna be. Man. <laughs> and then we went and played Ole Miss, bro. And it was. I think I had like four points or something. I was like, oh, well. There it is, man. Like like maybe I was just playing against a little competition and maybe this is how college is really supposed to be. So yeah, that, that was my first wake-up call and and welcome to college. Man, I thought it was gonna be I thought it was gonna be a you know cakewalk, kind of like a little harder than high school, but hey, you know, I was I was doing well, so I was kind of shocked.
1: So then the season progresses. Uh you right. won some games in the in the pre conference schedule, the Big Ten comes around, and you go into a stretch where you lose 11 games in a row now i would bet you had never lost 11 games total in your prior three years of playing basketball but you certainly had never lost 11 in a row we talked to jordy a little bit about this when he was on the podcast about Uh just how hard it was mentally to go from a scenario where you had always won you were used to being you know the best player, or or close to the best player in your area, definitely on your team, and winning a lot of games, and now you're in a situation where you just cannot win. What was that like mentally for you? Man, it was tough, man. It was
3: it was some of the darkest days, bro. Like I, like it was an everyday grind, man. And and our, Coach Crane didn't let up off us one bit. Nobody felt sorry for us. Everybody we played was trying to was trying to kill us, trying to run the score up, man. It was just it just was dark. But the one thing I do, we, we, we stayed with each other, man. And we stayed, uh, we played for each other and we stayed positive. And throughout all that, I think it, that's what defined us later on in our career, man. That, that uh, we, that, you know, when we hit adversity, uh, we knew how to, we knew how to attack it and, and it came from just experience. That's, that's all it was. That was our main teacher at that time It was experience and experience. You know, end up being a blessing in disguise for us for sure.
1: Who was the leader of that team? Was there one guy in particular that really rallied everybody and kept you together?
3: Uh not not really, man. We was um like I said, a lot was put on the put on our shoulders early. We was we was, we was Lord classing, but hey, you know, we we one of the guys playing all the minutes, so we kind of just had a collective leadership group. Uh, you know, we didn't have no 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 um, no veteran to really turn around and and, and depend on cuz um you know just all the all the stipulations and stuff just had us a bunch of young guys about there playing so we kind of just learned it, learned it through each other man we all kind of pitched in and obviously when we got older um uh, I could say you know Jordan Jordan took more of a, a leadership role I took more of a leadership role with, with certain things so but at first man we was just it was, all, it was all trial and error, bro. That's, that's
0: how we did it. So there's a lot of trial and error going on, a lot more losing than anybody's used to coming into that situation. But you're all winning in the fact that you now live in Bloomington, Indiana, the greatest town on earth. Right, you've right, right. you've moved there from Alabama now. Now, what what's it like? We we like to get a little bit of the feel of of life on campus as a student, as a as as just a guy who lives in Bloomington now with some good friends on the basketball team. Where did you live? Who was your
2: roommate?
3: My roommate, my first my first roommate was Bobby Capo Bianco. That was my first roommate. We uh, we lived together for um, we lived together for two years, one on campus. At McNutt um, and one uh, and a one off campus at, at Smallwood, so uh, you know we, we grew close and that was my roommate, man. Before he decided to transfer, and you know he uh, went and played at, at Valpo.
1: What was your favorite pizza place in Bloomington?
3: Mother Bears for sure. Yes. Did you go. have a
1: specific pie that you would get? What would you get on your pizza? I kept it basic,
3: one, Either pepperoni or Italian sausage. I got more like a meat lovers type type pizza, man, and kept it simple from there.
1: Were you a Buffalo's guy? Oh, I love Buffalo
3: Those, yes. those, man, those. Both of those are my two spots. Uh, my parents love coming in town, going to Buffalo So I went there quite a bit.
0: Now, uh, beyond food, when of course you turned twenty-one and were of legal age, what what was a favorite bar?
3: Ooh, first, my favorite bar was probably Sports right across the street from um, okay. from Smallwood. That was probably my first one, and and I, 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 of course, uh, KOK was on Kirkwood. Kilroy's on Kirkwood. Yep, um,
0: sure, sure. Keep it in the the Kilroy's family.
1: Yep, and oh, and obviously Christian, you never went to any of those establishments before you turned 21, right? You were never there.
3: Oh, Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait, no, but that's actually.
3: The,
0: could you could you get away with that? Could you like? I don't remember seeing underage hey, basketball man. players at hey, at man. bars.
3: Hey man, we, we we tried, been there, done that. We tried that. It ain't it ain't work out a couple of times, so hey, we left it we left that
1: alone. Man. All right, I gotta ask because we've heard this. We talked to Tom Coverdale, who who glanced past this in his interview. But there's a lot of stuff that happens on a basketball team in college that we hear about in the public, and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't that we'd never hear about. Did you ever get in trouble in your four years there, like real trouble?
3: No, I never did. I never did. I I, ne- I never got in real trouble at all. Uh, I can't say that for everybody. Yes, you can. I never, I, I
1: never, I never got in trouble. All right, but here's a question then: Was there someone on the team when you became like upperclassmen, junior, senior? When you were like, look, you you had to be a leader and go. You got to get yourself under control. Did Did you ever have to like take somebody aside and be like, you, you cannot do this. You cannot be at Kilroy's going nuts at two in the morning.
3: Oh, for sure, all the time, all the time, and uh, yeah, uh, it was a lot of that, man. You got to uh, give us
1: somebody. Come on, give us somebody. Nah, you got to give, give wanna, us one name, one I name.
3: Wanna, hey, I don't want to. I want to name drop, man. I'm gonna keep that. All
1: I'm right. I bet it was Will. Me. Will Sheehy.
0: Keep, Sheehy. I bet it was Sheehy. <laughs>
3: man, hey, hey, we we had some wild guys, but we all kept it. Uh, we all kept it together. We all looked out for each other, man, and, and it and it worked out for us for sure. Yes, it did.
1: All right, so let's get into your sophomore year. Your oh. sophomore year, you gotta be thinking, you gotta be thinking, right? You get through the freshman year, okay? That was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be.
0: It, it can't get right. worse than it that. Can't,
1: it can't be anywhere <laughs> near that again. And then you get into your sophomore year, and I have to say, your numbers in your sophomore year—you I mean, kind of exploded, right? You went from twelve points a game aver- to your freshman year to averaging sixteen. You had du- you had double-digit scoring in twenty-six of the twenty-nine games you played, um, and it seemed like. Things were starting. There were signs that things were starting to click. Uh, right. You you had a big game against Kentucky, even though you lost that game, you scored nineteen and nine, and it seemed uh-huh. like things were beginning to click. What was it like your sophomore year? You have a year under your belt. What were you expecting going into that year? And when the year started, how did it feel?
3: Oh, uh, we still, we knew we hadn't. Obviously, we knew we were still working. We knew we where we wouldn't want to where we wasn't want to be, but um. Uh, I just felt like I had got better as a player, man. I I put a lot of work in, so I felt like I improved. I improved, and I think it transferred to the court for me, man. And um, I remember, I, I think I broke my hand my sophomore year. I actually, did I did, and we, and we uh, missed a couple games. I thought we were gonna be able to, you know, hopefully make a little make a little postseason, maybe like an NRT or something like that. We were striving for that around then, and I ended up breaking my hand, and it. And it ended up going bad. So, but
1: well, let's but. I want to talk about that little stretch if we could. Well, because there was
0: uh-huh. there was the the point where we're all thinking, great, we're turning the corner. You beat number twenty yeah. Illinois. You almost beat Michigan State in overtime. <laughs> then you do beat number eighteen Minnesota. Yeah, that's when I
3: broke it. That's when I broke it I, I, in a Michigan State. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. when yeah, it I happened broke
3: it during the game. Yeah.
1: So you break your hand in that game where you lose by one. You had just beaten a ranked team. You end up beating without you playing. You beat Minnesota. And now it feels like, wow, things are starting to happen. And I have to ask you about two moments that happened. I don't know if this is a coincidence, but we're going to talk about two moments that happened while you were on the sidelines with a broken hand. Two of okay. the greatest dunks that have happened in Indiana history. The first one, oh yeah, one, I already know. You know, you know. All right, so you talk me. You know the first one. Give me the first one.
3: The first one is probably the tip dunk that uh, Tom
1: Pritchard had. Yes. Crazy. So walk us through that.
3: Uh, I just remember, um, I can't. Who was playing Minnesota? Right. I think yes. we was playing Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. We were playing Minnesota, man. The ball came off. We all know. Hey, man, we all know how freakish, athletic Tom was. He just never really displayed it like that. Uh, he, he just played it in practice a lot, but like in the game, you know what I'm saying? He never really, it never really caught up to him, and and bro, it caught up to him then. And it just it bounced off perfect, and and Tom went and got it, and we went, we went crazy on the sideline.
1: You did you with one hand <laughs> in a cast and in a sling. Yep. I went back and looked yep. at it. Yep. And yep. then yep. for sure. Yep. And then three days later, you play Iowa. You're still. And that's on probably sidelines.
3: one of the best. That's probably one of the best college dunks ever. The one we the one we had over um uh, over Iowa for sure. Now that's Hands down.
1: So wait, do you rank the Will Sheehy dunk ahead of the Pritchard dunk?
3: For sure. For wow. sure. I think I think mm. I think Will Will Dunk may have made like dunk of the year. It was a nominee for sure. I know.
1: It was insane. Now, what did suck about that dunk is he dunked it. We went up by a it was in the middle of a big run, and we ended up losing that game.
3: Yeah, we did. We did a, we ended up losing. I think uh I think I remember Verdell missed missed a tough shot. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the game
0: well and you and you end up losing nine straight to finish the season after,
3: after yeah I fi- man that that hurt that did, hurt man we never we never we never got it back um never got it back rolling
1: you must have like some superhuman healing powers because you missed like three games with a broken hand did you come back early
3: I came back a little early man I knew we were trying to I knew we was trying to make a little push we, we all wanted to get in and play some kind of postseason man and um I was rehabbing that thing day and night, bro. And then um, my trainer, Tim Garl, made like a uh, like a little pad to put on over it. Just I just kind of said, you know, let's just play it. So I kind of just kept playing and went from
1: there. I remember when you came back from it, I was like, how is a guy coming back from a broken hand in three games?
3: Every time I caught the ball, it was pain. Hmm.
1: So everybody we have talked to on this podcast, Christian, everyone talks about the importance of Tim Garl uh-huh. to Indiana University basketball. Can you talk a little bit since we just you brought him up? Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Tim and what he means to you in Indiana basketball?
3: Man, Tim means Tim means everything to Indiana man. Um, he's one of the he's one of the best guys in the business, man. Whenever whenever we needed him uh, with with anything, man, whether us being sick, whether we needed treatment, uh, he's, he's one of the biggest guys behind the scenes, man. That that, that makes sure that makes sure we're taken care of. Uh, you know he was he, he's a Roll Tide fan too, man. He was with he was with uh, Bear Bryant, kind of coming up. So 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 we got that connection, and you know he always took care of us.
1: That's great. So I got to ask you about this in your sophomore year because some another kind of seminal moment for Indiana and your era happened that year, and I'm really curious to get your thoughts as a player on the team when a recruitment just goes bonkers, and that's Cody Zeller's recruitment. <coughs> Cody is recruited hard by everyone obviously and it really was this just unbelievable attention put on this one recruitment what was it like being a player grinding it out at the college level when now you hear about this supposed savior that's going to come in and Cody zeller what was that like for you
3: uh we, we, we heard it man but we were so focused on on, on us working um and you know we, we heard the hype honestly honestly you know I didn't think Cody came and played a lot of open gym with us, man, and and I wasn't sold. But boy, when he got to campus and really settled in and started playing, we was like, okay, I was like, okay, now now I understand what all the hype is about. And you know, I was just fortunate, man, we got him because that's when I that's that's when we took the next step for sure as a team when Cody came.
0: Now, now to take a step back, a much less heralded recruit named Victor Oladipo, and and we yeah. asked we asked Jordy about this when. When did you go from being like, okay, Victor's going to be a nice part of our team and what we're building here, to whoa, this guy is going to go so far beyond what any of us first thought? Would you remember a moment, a game, a sequence, a practice where you were like, this guy is really special?
3: Yeah, probably my uh, my uh, my junior season. Uh, I remember coming back off a of break, man. All of us, all of us went home. Victor stayed. And he just got better, bro. And, and, but we all knew it, though, man. Victor had always had all the tools. Uh, it just had – it just – the game hadn't really slowed up for him a little bit. Everything was speed – everything was so fast. And, you know, once it slowed up for him, man, we, we knew we knew what type of player he was going to be just because he was relentless as far as his work ethic and stuff like that. So, I don't – I wasn't surprised, honestly. Uh, I always thought he was uh, the sky's the limit for him just because he had the, the God-given mm-hmm. athletic ability.
1: Well, I also would love to ask you about the fact that Victor thought that he had the god-given a- uh, ability to sing as well. How yeah, much yeah. singing did Victor do behind the scenes?
3: Man, I lived with him for 2 years, so that's all I heard every day. <laughs> every day. That's all that's all we heard. And uh, you know, every day all day in the shower, in, the, in practice, after practice, in the locker room. Never, it, hey man, it was a constant thing.
1: Did he have a go-to song? Oh uh, nope! He sung
3: anything, man, bro. He sung anything from anything to everything. Victor didn't have a he didn't have a go-to song, but he was always singing for sure.
0: Now, uh-huh. now, were you ever trying to get in there with some harmony? Were you ever trying to maybe play your own music, but you couldn't because he was singing, or was it just something that eventually became a a, a source of of comfort and relaxation for
3: you? Yeah, that's what that's what it became, and uh, you know, I felt like he. He lightened the mood up a little bit with dad always always singing and stuff like that. So we just kind of we just kind of I just kind of grew used to it, bro. I, I, honestly, like Vic would be singing, I wouldn't be paying him no attention for real.
1: That's great. <laughs> so let's hop to your junior year. Uh, I think there's something really interesting that happens with you and that junior year team. Obviously, you have Victor now, who is a sophomore. You have Cody, who is now a freshman. You're a junior. You're an upperclassman. And you had just come off of a season where you averaged 16 points a game. You shot 38% from three. And you did something that year that just doesn't get enough attention, I think, for for any player in college basketball, which is you kind of took a step back from – the focal point of the offense for the betterment of the team. Your uh-huh. and what did was that a conversation that you ever had to have with Coach Crean, or did you just know that this was going to happen because you had more weapons on the team? And what was that yeah, like for you?
3: it was. It wasn't no conversation. It's just you kind of know when you get when you get get when you get better players. Uh, obviously, you. I, I kind of wanted that anyway because I felt like, hey man, I, I feel like I need this. In order to get to the next level, uh, as a team and as a player, I felt like we wasn't in enough light for me to, um, you know, want to pursue my NBA dream and stuff like that. So I knew when we got better players, obviously my minute, I mean, obviously my points may go down or something like that, but it was all for the better, better of the team. And we, I mean, we preached that every day, man. It was no, uh, like it wasn't no ill feeling or nothing to it behind I, that.
1: Well, I want to take a pause here for something that Ward and I were talking about beforehand. Coach Crean used to talk in press conferences when he was trying to build the program about how he didn't just want to recruit players. He wanted to recruit families, that it was very important for him to have the right families as part of the Indiana University program. And the way you just described just your mindset of sacrificing for the team, that's a testament to how you were raised in your family. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what it was like having your whole family be so much a part of Indiana University when you were there?
3: Oh, man, it was big time. Uh, they helped me through a lot, man, and, and I was always there. I always got support whenever I needed it. Uh, my parents drove up. My parents did a lot, man. They drove up all the time and, and came to a lot of games. And, you know, just, just like I said, they, they was part of the family, man. And uh, we was all close with every, every, every family was all close, so – that's one of the special things we had in the camaraderie we had as a team.
1: Did you get close with the Hulls family, who was right there in Bloomington?
3: Oh, I did. I did. That was that was one of the one of the one of the uh, people that was you know closest to me for sure when I first got on campus. Helped us did a lot of things.
0: So into the junior year, obviously we're going to get to the game with the shot momentarily, but uh-huh. I distinctly remembered thinking this team was was capable of doing special things during the ACC Big Ten Challenge when you went to rally and you beat NC State. Like, what was that was that a game for you guys too where you you started to realize all the, the potential and the hope was now actually playing out on the court? Or was that just, you know, part of the progression you'd been seeing all season and this was, a, you know, a bigger stage, bigger opponent, but, you know, or, or was it a moment for you like it was for me?
3: Man, no doubt they gave us they gave us the biggest confidence. Man, we knew we we knew how good we were. We knew what we were capable of, but we hadn't really been we hadn't really really been tested. And we reached a little adversity in that game, man, and we overcame. And but we lose joyous, and we knew that was the first team. Like okay, now now we really got something special here. We can we can really do some big things.
0: And boy, did you!
1: So now let's get into. Indiana versus 8-0 and number one-ranked Kentucky coming Mm -hmm.
0: to Assembly Hall. December 10th, 2011. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're talking about students lining up outside the arena 10 hours before Mm tip-off. Dickie V's there the whole yeah. the whole nation is going to be watching this game. What what was it like waking up that morning and going to assembly hall? Did you guys know something very special was going to happen or was it more like put on the hard hats and let's go to work kind of day?
3: Man, let's put on the hard hats let's go to work, man. A lot of people ain't give us no 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 shot in that game. We knew what we were capable of. We knew we were how good our team was and we just said, "Hey man, we 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 decided to just go in there and um so everybody, we knew we, we knew we always had a chance of beating anybody at home anyway. So we was confident, man. We had a great game plan, um, and we boy we executed it, and um, we took away some things. I can remember the, the preparation, and we had a great great scout, man. That that goes unnoticed as well, man. The guys that the guys that you know. Helps us with the scouting and stuff like that. Did a great job at preparing us for that game.
1: Can you remember back to what were one one or two of the things in the game plan that you that coach and the staff wanted to take away that you worked on? Yeah, we wanted,
3: we wanted to take away the uh, lobs for sure, man. And um, I don't I don't think they they may have had one lob, but they didn't have that many. I know they were throwing a lot of lobs.
1: near the they had one to Davis in the first half, but that was it. Yeah, we did a good
3: job, man, at at, at limiting their easy buckets, and we made them. We made them you know half the score we made them we made them guys actually have to play the score it wasn't too many wasn't too many easy buggers we gave up and and it we made shots in there in there and it it was tough
1: so let's talk the game starts and the 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 noise and I wasn't there I was watching from a hotel room in Connecticut and I'll get to that we'll in a minute time. but the noise coming across television I have never heard oh. assembly hall that loud for a game I mean it was it was just remarkable. Did it feel different from the beginning of the game for you?
3: Oh, yeah, man. It was, it was crazy, man. I, I It was so noisy. Like, we really couldn't hear in the huddle or anything, bro. Like, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was probably the loudest atmosphere, loudest event I've ever been a part of, for sure.
1: So the game starts, and it's back and forth a little bit for the first little bit. Nobody can really get their footing in the game. There's not a ton of scoring going on. And mm-hmm. then... And but I will say this from the very beginning of the game, Christian, you are all over Terrence Jones. I mean, uh-huh. you are assaulting him on defense. Like yep. you are not. Was that was there part of it that you knew coming out? I'm just going to shut this guy down.
3: Yeah, I knew I had to win that matchup, man, in order for us to win. Uh, I couldn't. We couldn't allow. We couldn't allow him to have a a big impact on the game because when he does, they were so successful. They were so. It became pretty much, you know, one of the hardest teams to beat. So I didn't—I had to win that matchup, man, and I, I took it personal. And, and
1: well, it, it showed because you shut the guy yeah, down.
3: Yeah. But yep, yep.
1: on the offensive side of the uh, the game, you started off a little rough in that game. You missed your first four shots, including a three that gets blocked, and then you have an offensive rebound. You put up a shot. It gets blocked out of bounds. Indiana at this point is down twenty-two to twenty-one. Again, just nip mm-hmm. and tuck. And there's about four and a half minutes, four forty-five left in the first half, and an out of bounds play under the basket is run. Jordy passes it to you on the left side for three. You drill the three.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can I can remember all that, and uh, I just stayed with it, man. Uh, I knew it was going to be some some makes and some misses of that game, and but the game was too big, man. I knew I wasn't going to shy away from not shy away from being aggressive, and I knew we needed. We needed scoring and we needed my, my leadership ability on the court. So I just stayed with it, man. And once I got going, you know, I just got going.
0: What's the mood at
3: halftime? Man, we was trying to, like, we weren't just trying to win this game. We was trying to, like, put our foot on these people, like, you know what I'm saying? So that was, that was the thing. I mean, we I remember we getting up big and we kind of let down in the, in the toward the end of the game. And and, and we felt bad, man, because we, we kind of felt like we blew a lead. And, like, we knew they were the number one team in the country for a reason, but... We knew we could have, we we had a chance to really make it stretch out, stretch the lead out, and, and we didn't. So we was kind of feeling that a little bit, and uh, but but through all that, man, we we, we knew what, what we were, we knew how to handle adversity when those guys came back, and we stayed together throughout it.
1: So there's about 17-20 left in the game. The score is tied at 35. Jordy gets a steal, drives the length of the court, and I'm bringing this play up because it's very reminiscent of something that happens later in the game. Jordy drives the length of the court, stops on a dime, turns around, and kicks it to a trailing Christian Watford on the left corner. Mm-hmm. You drill the three. What Was that a play that that was – how did you know to be there? How did Jordy know that you would be there? Because it looked like it was a play almost.
3: Man, not, not, not really, uh, but we but, – me trailing was something that I was, I was good at throughout my whole career. In you know shooting the trail three, uh, always I four man always took the ball out, so I got real good at just coming down, sh- striding right into it, and, and letting it go. So I could they know always knew where to find me. I'd be yelling sometimes like I'm behind you, and uh, man, they did a great job at finding me. That thing, I think I, I think I wasn't the only one that got a couple trails. I think Will hit one too, but he did. They did a great job at finding us, bro. And, and um, you know they, them guys get back fast, but they all ran most of them ran to the paint and we knew we had shooters and we ran to the three point line and we were fortunate to make some
1: so i want to go a little bit closer to the end of the game here you did have a big lead it got cut down and now you're losing everybody talks about the shot but several things happened right before close to the shot that set up the shot well
2: mm-hmm. you're losing
1: well,
0: are we going to talk about his amazing spin move. Yes,
1: that's what we're getting to here. Oh, yeah. Good, it is Good. 69 to 68 Kentucky. There's 1 minute and 10 seconds left. We've got the ball out of bounds. You catch the ball at the top of the key. Can you walk us through what you remember of that play?
3: Uh I think this was this the one where we needed a bucket real it's about the spin move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, this is a drill up. This is a this is a play drawn up. Uh, I had a matchup I like. I had been playing well that game. Coach Cream gave me the uh Gave me the ball, man, and I, um, I just made a tough move, and uh, I, I like that matchup, and fortunately, the ball went in. I made, I made a good move, and we, and we, scored. We needed
1: it. That was as smooth of a post move as I have ever seen, and you putting it in with the left hand was just beautiful. Well, yeah.
0: and th- well, and Dicky V called it a pro move during the broadcast, and that was my question: was it was that premeditated going doing the spin or or was that that was instinct
3: it was all reactionary instinct man and and uh i just scored it man it was
1: crazy they come down they take the lead again there's 13 seconds left you're down by one timeout is called set up an out of bounds play victor Mm -hmm. gets the ball you remember what happens next yeah he turned it over what is going through your mind at that moment
3: Ain't nothing going? Wasn't nothing going through my mind when he turned it over. I was like, uh, I still thought, I felt, man, I knew he had still had time. I, I remember the look on Victor's face, like, oh man, I blew the game. I'm like, bro, come on, like, get back in the hole, like, we, get, we still got time. Like,
0: what was supposed to happen there? Was he supposed to find Cody, or was he supposed to finish it on I, himself? I
3: can't, I can't really, I can't really remember. I think, I think it was more for Vic. I don't, I think the play, the play was for Vic, honestly. And then, but, but I wasn't like, I wasn't worried about that. Like he turned it over. It was still time left on the clock. We was gonna stay. There. I, w- I was gonna to stay together. I knew we we still had a chance to win a basketball game. So I wasn't like wasn't like done with it. And um, I remember the look on his face, like he blew it. But I told him, "Hey, man, we are good. Like, don't even you know, don't, don't worry about it. We good. We right here. We want to be in."
1: All right. So now there's five point six seconds left. When my favorite mm-hmm. player in the history of Kentucky misses one of two free throws. That's right. He's my favorite because he missed one of two free throws. What right, while right, being right,
0: right. an 89% yes. free throw shooter,
1: there's a time yep. timeout is called right before his second free throw. He missed the first one. So he's got the second free throw. If he makes it, they go up by two. Talk us through that huddle. What is that huddle
3: Well, like? we, we we always, man, coach Cree did a great job at always preparing us for for situations like this. Uh we had this play already called. We ran it we ran it almost, you know, at every week. And uh somehow we ran it, Cody still messes it up. <laughs> but it but but it
1: but Wait, how? How does Cody mess it up?
3: He screened the wrong he screened the wrong person. He screened <laughs> the wrong person. But it actually like that worked out better. I mean it was still the same play just screened the wrong person. So but he, it worked out because they was actually trying to foul. So it was great he did screen that person. We gotta open uh that allowed that allowed Burdell to get to get going downhill, and um, I just remember, like, okay, once I seen him get screened, I just started running hard as I could, man, and yelling, yelling Virgil's name because I knew, I knew that I knew people was coming, and I knew, but he, and, and he heard me, man, throughout our crowd, he heard me, and he threw it back, and I was, that was it.
0: Did when, you did you yes. have it, did you have any doubts when you let it go?
1: Oh no, I didn't. I, it felt too good. I didn't have any doubts. So you had no doubts. But you're standing nah. there like a statue, with the fo- yep. holding the follow through, mm-hmm. and the ball goes in. Yep. Just give a tr- try to describe to us what that is like.
3: Man, I, I can't. I, I I really can't put it into words, but how, how how extremely crazy that was. All I can remember was, okay, I made the shot. Now I'm getting suffocated by people on top of me, and I'm starting to feel like I'm getting crushed. I felt like my I really felt like my ribs were finna break. Once Victor jumped on top of me, everybody started jumping on top of me. I started to panic a little bit, like, "Oh my God! Like, it's too many people on me, man." I was just trying to get them people off of me. But once I, once they got off of me, my team Tom th- started throwing people everywhere. And once once he, once he threw them off of me, where I got up, and I was like, "Hey, let's do it now." I'm you know I'm happy now.
0: You said it was Tom who started throwing people off. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Of course, I I, I was he was the only person I could like reach out like Tom like get them off of me. I was telling him to get them off of me. He was like. Just start throwing people and got them off me.
0: This is arguably out of over a hundred thousand competitive shots in the history uh-huh. of Indiana University basketball. I think you gotta put it Keith Smart's one to win the 87 championship. And then right. and then it's the watch shot. Those are the two that stand yep. head and shoulders above the rest. And how amazing is it that after the ball rips through the net, within seconds you go from the most deliriously happy moment in, in IU history in like two decades to thinking you might die. Like man, like true fear, right? Crazy, like like a survival crazy. instinct kicks in.
3: Oh, yeah, for sure, man. That, that, that's, exact, that's exactly what it was because I was like, oh, my God, like this is going to end bad. Like I didn't hurt. I didn't hurt about stories, but I was like, oh, my God, this is really going to end bad for me.
0: <laughs> but if you're going to go. Good way but, to go. Yeah.
3: Good way to go. The great the best way to go. If I'm gonna break my ribs, hey let me do it. That Let's way. do
1: it this way. So no. you go into the crowd at some point in the aftermath and I think go and embrace your father. Is that right? Uh-huh. Right, right, do right. Do you remember what either he said to you or what you said to him in those moments?
3: I I, I really can't remember. I just remember hugging him and my mother my mother crying and extremely proud of me and I mean we just we couldn't believe it, man. It was such a surreal such a surreal you know dramatic finish man it was crazy
1: i have this image burned into my head and i watched it again it's it's will verdell you and Vic standing on the scores table oh yeah after the game in the sea of humanity Uh was that moment like what you had heard indiana basketball could be like
3: oh yeah no doubt That's, that's what that's what we heard man and 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 that's what, we, that's what we signed up for. That's what we wanted, and boy, did we get it after
0: that. That reaction to that shot, not only in the building, but of course the footage from Nick's, from the bar in New Jersey. I myself was out here in Los Angeles at a bar with 100 other people, including Eric Gordon, and I went uh-huh. screaming down the street. You know, this yep. was like a nationwide event.
1: To, and- to just throw in my quick story, I was in a hotel room in Connecticut with my wife, and when uh-huh. you hit that shot, Christian I shit you not. I picked her up and I threw her across the room. I threw her from the the TV to the bed. I just like like gorilla press WWE style just tossed her. I have That's never crazy. been never been that happy in any moment
0: ever. That's crazy. When did you know that that shot was going to live
3: on? forever oh uh, man i would probably say probably like a week after it happened uh i was still receiving a lot of traffic from it and i don't know man i knew i knew it was a rebirth of, of indiana basketball in a sense but the the amount of people that can't they come to me on a daily still to this day telling me they remember exactly what they were doing they remember exactly where they was and that that part right there shows me hey, hey man this is on a big scale and and of course, I went on to win an ESPY. So you kind of realize, you kind of realize it then as well. Like, okay, this is a really, a really big deal. And, and you know, it's been, it's been crazy, man. I get it. I, I get it daily.
0: Talk, talk a little bit about the ESPY experience because you're, you're, you're not really signing up to play college basketball to end up in Los Angeles at an awards show. So take us through the ESPY experience.
3: Man, it was a, it was a great experience, man. I didn't, I kind of knew I was. I didn't know I was gonna win, but once I knew his votes and stuff like that, I kind of had a good good idea that Hoosier Nation would get behind me, and you know I'd be right there at the end. So it was it was a great experience, man. I was nervous. I can remember that uh, even walking up there, having a talk, having a talk and do all that. But uh, man, it was a great experience. I got to meet some cool people, man, and you know, winning an me, that that don't go unnoticed. Not too many people can 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 say they have. They have won an ESPY before, so I'm, I'm I'm extremely happy and and excited and thankful for that.
1: Who did you meet? Was there somebody specifically that you really wanted to meet that you were finally that well, you were able to? I mean, well,
3: well, Aaron Rodgers delivered my ESPY, so that was, that was a big deal. You know, he we I discount double checked him with it, so, <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, so that was big for me. But I met a lot of people, man, uh, all kind of celebrities, entertainers, too many to really name, but a whole lot of guys. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was a, it was a good it was a good it was a good experience
1: for sure so going back to the shot how many times mm-hmm. have you watched the replay of it
3: man it's rare that, that i go and i watch it uh, I, i'm i see it all the time on twitter and stuff like that but i don't know man i probably watched it i don't know 10 15 times after and i and i really stopped watching it you know i kind of just i was still playing so man i kind of And we was focused on other things. I kind of just put it in my head, but I'm always seeing it though. Obviously, you know what I'm saying,
1: Christian? I've watched Uh it 10 to 15 times today. (laughs) Like, if I were you, if if I'm just putting myself in your shoes, if that were me, the first bookmark on my website would be the shot. That the 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 screenshot on my desktop, the wallpaper would be the shot. Like, I, I don't get. I mean, that would be it. I would live it till the day i died
2: <laughs>
3: Nah, man i can't i can't do that but I, I i like i said i see it so much bro i'm asking about it, constantly asking about it so much i don't ever get tired obviously because it's always it's always some people that have their own like relationship with it, like what they were doing and you know i like i like hearing all the stories about you know what i'm saying about what they were doing and so it's it's fine, man. But I, I, you know, I I don't really go back and watch it too much. If that makes sense,
1: it it does. It well, it doesn't. But we'll go with it. I <laughs> I, I I get you. I get you. You have you get, a certain amount.
3: About, I, yeah, right, right, right. I've seen it so many times. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, it gets I better see, each time, and each time yeah, I think it, you might miss it, but you don't. You make it every time.
3: Nah, every time, every time. I get, I still get goosebumps for sure, man. It's kind of like people are like, pull it up. When uh when I'm around and stuff and I just you yeah know, you know I, I watch it a lot through other people. So.
0: Well, and and showing it to my daughter. Uh, 9 years old who's watched some games with me over the last couple of years but this is and and she's seen me be aggravated a lot over the last couple of years so showing her this while preparing for this interview it was so great for for her to share with her what indiana basketball can be
3: right right you right, know? right right and yeah. so
0: for her to see the, the 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 joy the hysteria very literally that it can cause i think she understands me more now why i'm so upset uh, at oh, games yeah, she, over the last couple of years because she knows right, the the glory that we've seen and right, yeah right, there's right. goosebumps there's there's look honey hopefully someday we can experience something like this together instead of just on youtube
3: yeah for sure for sure man I, i'm sure she see that passion and and, and and that joy that comes from comes from that. So I'm sure she understands you a little better now.
2: So
1: I got to ask just a couple little things about it. When you have gone back the 10 to 15 times, which is ridiculous, but when you have gone back and watched it, you have certainly seen your coach Tom Crean with one of the weirdest facial expressions in the history of humankind as he walks towards Calipari after the game. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. I, I
3: can remember I in film I can remember film the next next day, uh next couple of days we watching it. Man, we we rewinded his face probably fifty times, dying laughing. Oh uh, the whole the whole room was dying laughing. And I don't even know if he know why he was looking like that. We 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 kept asking. That. I don't even think he know why he was looking like
2: that.
1: No, I will I will venture to say this. No human in the history of mankind has ever looked like that. I, I don't. That face is especially un-
3: in that setting when it's like when I actually hit it. Like if I didn't know any better, looking at his face, I would think I missed it.
1: Yes, missed <laughs> you it. Know? You would think you either missed it. Here, here are the possible uh, reasons to look like that. You missed the shot. He crapped his pants, <laughs> or yeah. or he just got news that like his entire hometown was just like uh swallowed in an earthquake. Th- those yeah, are the man, only faces that would be uh, required from something like that.
3: Yeah, his, his only explanation was that we blew the lead and we should have won by 10, but still, though, and, and that magnitude, is it was weird that his face was like that. It was it, crazy.
0: It made
1: it, it, made it, it made it better, though. It, made it, it did make it better.
0: So uh, I, all I, part of the legend. All
1: part of it. Right, I, I have right, to ask, right, right. you've talked to us a little bit about Vic. What is your relationship mm-hmm. like with Verdell? Do you and Verdell still talk? Yeah, I talk to him sometimes. Um,
3: when I talk to him. I see him. I, last time I seen him was at uh, Derek Elston's wedding. I seen him, uh, but I talk to him all the time. We talk. We talk. You know, all all of us pretty much keep in contact.
1: And what do you ever reminisce with Verdell about that play? Do you guys ever talk about it?
3: Yeah, we talk about it a lot, man. I was, uh, I don't think I've ever screamed Verdell's name louder trying to trying to get that ball, trying to get him to throw that, trying to get him to throw that ball back. So we all make fun and joke about that all the time. And, you know, I was I was saying we talk, we joke about it all the time. Derek said he should have been the one that made it and, and he should have been in the game. So we, we have fun with it all the time.
1: Yeah, Jordy, when we talked to Jordy, he told us he was in the corner wide open and you guys were just being selfish yeah, to not give him the ball. Every,
3: everybody said they should have made it. Everybody but me. So. <laughs> we have our fun with it for sure.
1: All right. So that shot just, it just propelled the entire Hoosier Nation. The nice mm-hmm. thing about after that shot is you had a week off, you had a week before right. your next game against Notre Dame. You yep. finish the you finish the pre conference season twelve and zero, and it really mm-hmm. feels like we're back. Indiana's back. The Big Ten was clearly the best Big Ten season we had in a while. There were some mm-hmm. some some ups and some downs, but a lot of ups. And right. then you get to the NCAA tournament your junior year. It's been a while since Indiana had been in the tournament.
0: But but should I think we should mention that you guys beat number 2 OSU and later number 5 MSU and even though yep. that season was a little up and down that was the first IU team since the undefeated national championship team in 76 to beat three top 5 teams.
3: Man, I remember that year, bro. The Big team was stacked from top to bottom, so us getting those wins, man, was 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 really big for us—a big confidence booster for us. But, man, our, our the Big Ten then back then every game was tough. Like every game was tough. Um, I feel like we had the best conference in basketball that year. So it, it, any any game like any game was a big time game for us for
1: sure. Let's also not skip over something that I know Ward loves to bring up. You swept <laughs> Purdue that year, also. Uh-huh. Oh,
3: yeah. We, we 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 got them pretty good, man. Now, <laughs> yes, you and did. My senior, and them, my, my senior year as well, man, we got them pretty good for well, sure. Well,
1: I want to get into this a little bit because you're from Alabama. We talked a little bit about your, your knowledge of Indiana basketball. But we, I am betting that you did not have the pure, unbridled hatred for Purdue that Ward and I, I have from birth. I did
3: not. I did not. I did not have that. I had a only, – only rival I knew was Auburn, Alabama-Auburn. That was the only rival I knew, so – so when up, but,
1: yeah, when did the hatred of Purdue and did did when did the rivalry become meaningful to you? Like this is a team we gotta beat.
3: Oh man, I I, I can remember uh, my freshman year playing. We was playing at Mackey Arena, and uh,
1: those guys had had a good
3: team. We had Chris Kramer, a bunch of guys, and we had a lot of guys come in and just talk about their experiences and and what it means. We had a lot of young guys, a lot of young guys that didn't really know the meaning of of, of what it meant to. Uh, what it meant to Purdue. So we had Tim Garth speak and, you know, he, he, he told his experiences and you kind of realize, man, like, dang, like this is, you know, it's bigger than, bigger than yourself, man. It's bigger than, bigger than this team. It's for, it's for the whole Hoosier nation. So you kind of want to, you know, that's where, that's where the love and you know, that's where the passion comes from, from the experiences of other people and stuff like that. So it was, that was big for us.
0: Christian, how, how do you feel about Purdue being one game out of the final
3: four right now? Oh man, I was so sick about that game last night, man. <laughs> I was, I was so sick. I was the biggest Tennessee ball fan ever last night, and I actually have Tennessee winning on my bracket too. So that that didn't help me. That didn't help me at all. But man, they, they played a good game. There's was, was a questionable call in the corner, but hey, they got they 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 going. So I can't I can't do nothing but you know mm-hmm. I hate it, but hey, I, I cannot I can't root for them. But hey, Mark power
1: to them. no 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 <laughs> don't 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 end it with that just say you can't root for them. we don't need the yeah, more power I, to him
3: yeah yeah I, I can't i can't root yeah. for
1: them. you're I, preaching I, to the choir here i, I sent out right. a tweet i was reading it to ward i sent out a tweet about 15 minutes ago that said they can go to the elite eight they can have a little more success than we've had recently or a lot more success than we've had recently but at the end of all that they still got to go back to that dumpster fire of a town west lafayette and realize no, it ain't indiana
3: Right, you know, you know, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Hey, they're 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 overdue, man. They don't, I don't their national championship. I don't count, but That don't that don't count. They they don't have any, so we'll take it exactly.
0: Now, So I I derailed us when we were going to go into the tournament there of your junior year. So mm-hmm. uh, speaking of some of the the when IU was good in making it to the tournament. Uh, you guys get through the first round, uh, New Mexico State, but then what was it like taking on like Shaka Smart and VCU at the height of their powers? That was an intense game. How did you prepare for that kind of pressure?
3: Oh my goodness, man! I, I've never been so exhausted after a game before in my life. That was probably one of the toughest games we played, man. Uh, they, they did, like I said, bro. That they they pressured us. They made us turn the ball over. I, I still don't know how we won that game. Uh, to this day, man, we uh, we 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 overcame a lot in that game. We stayed together. And I feel like that was just a testimony of, of how we were all year. Uh, I feel like the Big team kind of prepared us for those type of games. But man, that was a hell of a game. Bro, and, um It's still surprising me to this day that that, that we made it. That we that we made it through that one. But hey, my boy Will, she he hit a big time shot. Hey man, we'll take it. We'll take it. it, was,
1: it, was, it was very fun. Can you uh can you give us a little insight on what Will Sheehy was like off the court? He seemed like such a intense dude on the court. What was Will like off the court?
3: Man, Will was just relaxed, bro. He was Will, man. I it, it's hard to it's hard it's hard to explain it, but Will's one of my one of my closest friends, man. We uh we played we played with each other in the G League too, man, so we became closer, obviously, but we all of us is pretty all of us is close, man, going through school. But that Will was a was a real cool dude, man, for sure.
1: So then you go to the Sweet Sixteen, the first time that Indiana has been to the Sweet Sixteen in a long time. I think the first uh-huh. time first time we were in the Sweet Sixteen since the 2002 run. Yep. So it had been many years, and there staring you right in the face is Kentucky again. What, what went through your head when you when you got when Selection Sunday happened and you saw the bracket?
3: I knew, I knew it was going to happen. I knew I knew it was going to happen. I feel like I feel like the NCAA set us up for that. Like for they sure. they set they set us up to play them. I don't care what nobody said. So I kind of saw it. I was like, oh, you know what I'm saying. I ain't, I didn't want to think about it. Obviously, you don't want to think about it because you still got to play. You still got to play the game to get there. But man, once it came, it was crazy
0: talking with jared jeffries about uh when they were going in to play duke in the sweet 16 uh did you he seemed to have a very realistic take that they probably weren't going to win they did end up winning now when you're going in against this juggernaut kentucky team that's got revenge on its mind uh do you as do you think no we got this we're going to take them again for sure or is there something in the back of your mind that's like yeah we might lose this one
3: Nah, I felt like I felt like we was gonna win again because because we were up on them so big in in, in Indiana. Like we was up, we was winning the whole game. You know, we felt like we kind of blew it down the stretch. So that gave me a reality, uh, a reality that hey, we can beat this team. I felt like we we were the better team, but we were the better team. I wouldn't say better individual players because think had some of the greatest individual players there. But I felt like we were a better team. We kind of knew what they did, and we kind of took it away from them and. You know, I felt like I felt like we were going to win, man. I feel like our whole locker room did for sure. I don't think it was no doubt that that we were going to win that game.
1: Well, you certainly came out with that mentality because it was a heavyweight fight. I mean, it was a high scoring affair. It was some really good offensive basketball. Uh, I hate the referees for getting Cody in foul trouble uh, like they did.
3: Yeah, that's that. Cody was in foul trouble. Vic was in foul trouble, and we battled through a lot. We battled through a lot in that game. I feel like if those two wouldn't happen, then it. I'm, to, I'm not going to say we would have just blew them out, but I feel like we would have had to – we would have been right where we wanted to be at the end of the game. Well,
1: and then I, – look, I don't want to get into the fact – we're not going to focus on the fact that they won that game that much. But what, what is amazing to me is we've talked about the moment that you had in the game earlier in the year, which is just – it's all anybody's talking about. They showed it several times in the national broadcast during that game. To follow that up with anything is difficult, I mean, it just has to be difficult, and yet you come out of that game with 27 points and five rebounds. I mean, you—was there an added level of focus for you because of what had happened before that you wanted to build on that and show that it wasn't just one shot? I'm a player here. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
3: oh yeah. I had a, I had a huge dislike for uh, Kentucky man. Anytime, anytime we played them, I felt I wanted to go in and show like, hey man, like there was no fluke. Like we here, like. You know what I'm saying? So I took it upon myself to, like, we, we had other guys out. We had other guys hurt. So I just picked up the scoring load, and um, I got it going, man. And, you know, it kind of went from there. But coaches was doing a good job of putting me in position, and I knew they had a problem, like, with us, the way we, the way we played, our tempo and, and, the, and the way we played and moved the basketball and back cuts. And we had a lot of different things that worked for us.
1: So – Let's now move on to senior year and a little bit of the off-season before senior year, because now Uh you're back. There's no underdog. There's no lowered expectations. Everybody knows you're going to be ranked number one in the country. Bring in
0: everybody back, plus this point guard named Yogi Ferrell.
1: So let's focus on that for a second, because we talked to Jordy a little bit about it. This whole idea of (laughs) the movement – that recruiting class, the yeah. movement.
0: And and uh you should know, Christian, yeah. what Eric really calls the movement.
1: I refer to that as the bowel movement.
3: Yeah, we weren't too thrilled with that term. Like I, I felt like them people ain't give us some, like the media didn't give us a lot of credit for what we had already established. So, man, we felt like we had five returning starters. Like what you mean? What movement? Like we the movement, like we've been here, like we we sacrificed and no no disrespect to none of them guys, like obviously but those were my teammates like i love them to death but i feel like we felt like as upperclassmen coming in like hey this is our team like we went we definitely weren't finna let nobody come in and, and and take over and stuff like that but we were we we obviously they helped us it helped us you know what i'm saying i'm not i'm not saying they did it
1: no of course but i do have to know from just a personal pride point of view when a guy right, like when a guy like Hannah perea is getting all this press, but look at his dunks and his athleticism and you're just hearing about this. When those guys show up, you're not playing open gyms now and you're not you're not recruiting them. They're there. Do you want to just smoke them in practice? Do you want to show them what college basketball and, is all
3: about? Hey man, I will never forget we had an open gym, right? We was like, okay, they came in and you know, they were kind of feeling themselves a little bit like, you know, the movement, this the movement that it was on these guys, social media and all this type of stuff. So he was like, hey, we this is what we gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna let y'all y'all got y'all five. And we're gonna play with our five. We open gym. And man, we just smashed them. Like <laughs> bad. Bad. Like, you know, we took it, we took it personal, like, you know what I'm saying? And ever since then, like once that happened, they kinda got in line, I feel like. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a big pivotal point. And I'm like, okay, all right, these guys been here, they're better than us. You know what I'm saying? Type of stuff like that, but that's where that came from. That was their personal pride thing.
1: I'm not trying to get you in trouble here, but I gotta ask mm-hmm. this. Hannah Peria's senior year, he's playing at La Lumière. They have a game in Bloomington. I was in Bloomington the day that he had that he was there to play a game, or maybe the year before. I can't remember. But there there was a game that he played at Bloomington South, I believe. And I went to watch the game because I was so excited about everything I heard about Hannah Perea. And so I watched him in warm-ups, and I remember calling Ward afterwards and saying, he's not a basketball player. He, he can't shoot. He can't dribble. He can't pass. He can, ju- he can jump. He looks like he can jump. But I'm really worried that this is just a hype machine here. You told us that you weren't sure about buying the hype on Cody when you first saw him, but then he came to campus and you were like, "Wow, this guy can play." What uh-huh. What was your thought on Hanner?
3: Oh, uh, I thought he was just a, you know, I thought he was going to be able to help us in in certain areas, man. We didn't we didn't need him for we didn't need him to come in and score. Like what we needed was we needed another guy behind Cody that, that could that could that could fill in some minutes and and you know block block a, block a couple of shots, get some rebounds, and, and you know. Be a real rim protector for us. We needed that, and um, it was tough, man. I know, I know. I don't feel like I don't feel like he was coached uh well enough to make that transition right away. Um, you know, we ran playing for Coach Cream, not the easiest thing in the world when it comes to X's and O's and knowing where to write, knowing where to be on the floor. So he kind of struggled with that, man. And um, it was it was it was tough for him, but I I, I know he was a freakish athlete and. He played. I ain't gonna just say he was a total waste for us, but he, you know he came in and gave us, gave us some stuff and did what he could. I, I understood it. I mean, it was, it was a tough one.
0: Well, let's let's talk a little bit about playing for Coach Crean. Talk about like not having practices scheduled and just randomly getting texts to show up for practice. What's it like being a player for Coach Crean? What are the challenges
3: there? Hey man, it's tough. Uh, that's it's probably one of the toughest things, not knowing and. But that's 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 I, you grow you like you, when you're there so long like you don't know nothing else like I didn't know anything else it was tough it was tough And there when when you tell other people that they'd be like wow bro that, like y'all really did that like that's crazy that's insane like why would he do that you know type stuff but going through it like you don't know any better so that's what that's what you that's what you used to so I mean it was it was, it was tough man and. Coach Crean has his way of doing it, of doing, it, doing stuff, so I ain't gonna, I, ain't, I can't knock him for that.
1: No, and, and we're not – and obviously, like you said at the beginning, oh, he, yeah, for he, sure. be, he believed yeah. in you, he gave you a chance at Indiana, he recruited you. But I do mm-hmm. – I'm just curious about – you were there for four years and, and mm-hmm. a pretty unbelievable four years going from the lowest of the low to, you know – ranked number 1 and number 1 seed in the tournament how did your personal relationship with coach develop or evolve over your 4 years
3: oh man he was always like that was that was my guy man he was always we always had a personal relationship i mean my grandmother passed he came to a funeral so we had more than a more than a player coach relationship um still to this day i talk to him check on him uh, and stuff like that. So regardless of what we had going on the court, obviously we, we got into it a lot. Not 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 a lot, but we got into it. Some you no know, more than a player in Coach Wood. You know what I'm saying? And sure. It it brought it brought the best out of me, and you know it's just that's just that's just part of it. But I I know he knows that he got nothing but respect for me, and I got nothing but, but respect for him for sure.
1: So now you're in your senior year. You're ranked number mm-hmm. one in the country preseason. You're named to the preseason Wooden Award list, the watch list. You've got all your returning starters. Is mm-hmm. there a feeling we're going to win the national championship? That's the goal.
3: Man, it's without a doubt, like I, I was talking, I was thinking about going, you know, trying to put my name into the draft. Uh, I talked, me and Cody talked about it. Um, but we knew, like, hey, I talked to sat down and talked to Cody. He was like, hey, man, you if you want, if, if you if you coming back then I'm coming back. But you know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't going to do one without the other. And he was like, hey, man, we feel like we got a chance to really win this thing. You know what I'm saying? So. That's our focus, and we knew we, had, we knew we had a target on our back, bro. But we knew what we was capable of, and, and we knew we, we was getting some players in that was going to help us along the way. So we said, hey, why not?
1: So something happened at the beginning of the year that I want to focus that I think is pretty interesting. Your close friend Derek Elston gets hurt, and mm-hmm. in a game very early in the season, you wear his number as kind of a tribute to him. Can you walk us through what that was about?
3: I just wonder, you know – Show my respect, man. That was, that was one of my that was one of my boys. Like, we came in together. We've been through a lot. together. Me, him and Jordan was the only ones that really stayed the course throughout it, man. And we and we helped each other. And that was like one of my brother. And I just felt like that was my brother. And I felt like you know he was a, he was falling at a time. He was hurt at a time when we needed him. So I decided, you know, where's Jerry, the ex coach, to do it, man? Out of out of respect for him and just want to, you know. It, uplift him and stuff like that, and I just did it, man. Just, just, just love and just, you know, him being my brother and stuff like that. As an Indiana fan, this is
0: what what was initiated with the watch shot is now fully realized. Watching our number one ranked team in the country, it it starts off well. Uh, you lose your number one ranking after losing to Butler. You come back, you get it back. Uh, but but as we get into the home stretch of the season, right? You beat number four MSU, look to be in the driver's seat for the Big Ten title outright, but then you lose two of the next three, unraked Minnesota, and then number fourteen Ohio State on senior night, and mm-hmm. and and but you're still going to get part of the Big Ten title, right? Uh, and then you cut down the nets. Like what's what's the feeling with the team? You've been the number one ranked team in the country for much of the season, but it's it's kind of this weird feeling fell over that whole night. I think for people watching, what what's your mindset there as a team at that point in the season?
3: Oh, we knew we were struggling a little bit, but we knew we were going to get out of. I felt like that was a that was a testament just to the Big team, man. We obviously wanted to uh, we wanted to hold share, man. We didn't we didn't want to share nothing. We felt like we deserved more than that. Like I said, we've been We've been number one the whole year, but the big team was good, man, and it was uh it was taking a toll on us. We were starting to get a little banged up, get some guys hurt, and uh you know, but but we played through it, man, and, and we we overcame it and when it got that when it got that big time win at Michigan, yeah. So we didn't have to share, we we didn't have to share the title, and uh we kind of after we blew it on senior night, man, we kind of came together and we we kind of knew like, hey, man, we we we've, we've done. We've experienced too much, we went through too much to come and, and share this share this title. Like we, we knew what we wanted for ourselves and we went and got it, overcame adversity and went and, and went and took it for sure.
1: So before we get to the Michigan game, because I want to talk about a specific play in that Michigan game that that you are involved in that does not get talked about much. But the mm-hmm. Ohio State game, the cutting down of the nets. What was right. your feeling about doing that after the loss?
3: Uh I don't know, man. I feel like we kind of did it because it was senior night, and we kind of wanted to do it on our home court. So, you know, regardless of the outcome, we knew we were gonna, we knew we, we, we knew we were gonna have a share of it. So, that was Coach Cream call. He wanted to do it. Um, I didn't really feel nothing, nothing about it. Hey, man, it, it's senior night. We wanna, we wanna do it. It was, it it, it, it kind of took away from it, obviously, because we were so, so pissed that we lost that game. Um, I'm sure you see it on everybody's face, like even. Even throughout, if you just if you was there or you just watching the video, you can kind of see that everybody's face was kind of salty that we had lost it, that we kind of blew it like that. We should have we should have closed it out on, on our home court, but Ohio State did a good job. I remember, I remember uh, we knew it was gonna be a tough game anyway because we had went in and, and and beat them in their house and stuff like that, so. We, we we just decided to do it. Coach Green, Coach Green made that call, and we did it.
1: You had been through so much in front of those fans and that building for four years, and this was the last time you were going to walk off that floor wearing the jersey. Did you have any just moments of wow? This has just been an amazing four years. What 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 were you feeling after that?
3: Uh man, I really wasn't feeling nothing. It didn't really it didn't really hit me like that. I knew we had a lot of more basketball left. So I was focused on. I feel like everybody was focused on on the, on the next game and what we needed to do in our preparation for the next game. So, bro, uh, seeing that went by so fast, we ain't really like me, me, Derek, and Joy. We really couldn't even like really enjoy it like that. Obviously, we just was so focused on the next, and went by so fast, man. And, and um, but, boy, later on, it does hit you. Like, you know what I'm saying? When you when, when you just chilling and you realize like, dang, I'm not gonna be. I'm not playing in Assembly Hall no more, which is which which was crazy to think about all the blood, sweat, and tears we labored, we labored on that floor and on that court, so it was crazy.
1: So let's talk about the Michigan game. Really, mm-hmm. an improbable win based on what the game was in the last four minutes. I mean, you guys just A kept lucky. fighting.
3: Hey man, that's what that the basketball gods looked out for, us, bro. I could, that's all I can say <laughs> about that. One. All right. Well, we definitely weren't supposed to win that game, but hey, we got some luck, and sometimes that's what you need.
1: All right, that's true. You don't need a
3: little luck on the long You
1: got a little luck that that ball at the end rolled off the rim. Well, but
0: and they missed free throws too. They, they missed did. a lot of free throws, and,
1: and we hit some big shots. But last play of the game, they drive, they put the ball up. It looks like it hangs on the rim forever. It comes off. There's a battle for the board. It bounces away. Somebody on our team hits it. It's flying out of bounds. And has it gone out of bounds, they get the ball under the basket with probably a little less than a second left. But with 1.5 seconds left, Christian Watford runs after the ball, jumps out of bounds, saves it, and has the presence of mind to throw it to Cody, which runs the clock out and the game ends. Just walk us through that those last couple seconds.
3: Man, just thinking on my toes, man. I, I I didn't really have a good offensive game that night, so I just wanted to do anything to help the team, and and that's where it came to, and I got that done, man. But uh, I think yeah, a lot of people ain't realize the severity of that, but hey, I know a lot of people did. I received a lot of a lot of you know praise and stuff for doing that, for for making that play, and um, but it was crazy, man. I I know, like I said, we got some help along the way. I think like the two best guys, man. It's like. Two front ends of one and ones, or maybe like two. I don't, I don't know how we won a game. But,
1: like. <laughs> well, look, the, the the truth is, Christian, too, on that play and why you didn't, why some people may overlook it. You're a victim of your own success. Once right. you hit the shot, I mean, what can you do to, to ever get anyone to pay attention to anything else?
3: Right. So, but Anything else? You know good. What I'm pro- like, I, right. I can, it's a
2: good problem that, to yeah, have. Yeah, that is a good it problem. Ain't a bad,
3: it definitely, it definitely ain't a bad
1: problem. <laughs> All right. So you go to the tournament. You're the number one seed in the tournament. You smoke them in the first round. And then the second round game, everybody sees it, knows it's going to be a tough game. Temple is a tough matchup for anybody. They're a grinded-out team. They're well-disciplined. And it's a very tough game. And then you are down 52-50 to with Mm 2 minutes and 20 seconds left. And there's a play that they run where their big man gets the ball wide open under the basket. I mean, wide open. What happens next?
3: I come out, man. He don't see me coming. I just see him out the corner of my eyes. I, I, I retreat back, and I meet him at the rim. Well, and and you know, then like I think I came down and somehow got the ball. I don't know how you did I got the ball.
1: Yes, you got the block and the rebound, ball. which is not yeah. common.
3: Yeah, yeah, that that wasn't common, but man, we needed that. I that that would have broke our backs, bro. he would have converted that dunk, who was on a run to it, that that would have ended it. Oh man, that would that would have hurt us bad.
0: You guys are now going in to play Syracuse in the Sweet 16 with their dreaded zone. What was the preparation for that game? What did Coach Crean have you guys do in practice to get ready for that zone?
3: Oh, man, we simulated so much. We tried to. We tried to simulate it so much. um, But... I feel like we kinda got away from what made us better. Like I feel like we put too much looking back on it now, I can say but I feel like we put too much put too much of an emphasis on Syracuse zone and not enough emphasis on ourselves. We were so worried about their zone and what and what and we're the spots and all this and all that and what we need to do against it. But we should honestly we should have just played I feel like we should have just done what we've done all year. Made them adjust to what we do. Um uh, and just you know, we, we were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. I feel like we, we we forced it, so I'm like trying to get it into this area, this area, this area. And um, you know, I feel like it hurt us down the stretch, man. Too much thinking, like, and not enough reaction, and it hurt us against the zone, man. The zone—that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to slow you down and make you think, bro. We just we fell right into it, and granted, we had what Jordy with the shoulder issue, one of our three, one of our best three-point shooters and stuff like that, man. But We put too much of an emphasis on it, man, looking back on it for sure. So when you do look back on it, on the whole season. Mm
1: -hmm. Wait, can we, before you go back to the whole season, I do want to just throw out this stat. That season, your senior season, you shot Mm -hmm. 48.4% from the three-point line, Mm -hmm. 51.5% in Big Ten games. You were the number one three-point shooter in the conference. Did it just feel like throughout the whole year that if you put a three-point shot up, it was going in?
3: Man, we had a crazy stat, right? So, uh, I can remember Coach Crane coming to us like, hey, man, if I made a three in the first half, we won a game. Really? Like, it was crazy. Yes. It was undefeated. If I made a three in the first half, we won a game. So, like, that was a stat going into the uh, – except for the Syracuse game because that was the last one. I made one in the first half and we lost. So, except for that game. So, I remember um, Coach Crane saying that in the huddle. And we was like, yeah, we finna win. Like, you know what I'm saying? We finally made one. What am I about? But – I don't know, man. I, I shot the ball extremely well that year. I was confident. Uh, I felt like I had been getting better and better. I, it's something I worked at. Like it wasn't nothing that just happened for me. Uh, I put a lot. I put a lot of hours in and in, in fine tuning that. I knew that. I knew. I quickly knew that's what I needed in the Big Ten, obviously, because it's such a brutal, such a brutal conference. And if you want to score in the Big Ten, man, you got to be able to shoot the ball. So that's what I honed in on. I got better and better at it, but. Yeah, it was a crazy stat, man, but unfortunately, it didn't work out the last thing.
2: Well,
0: but it did for so much of the season. Look, as an IU fan, I think, obviously, there was the magical run to the finals in 2002, but I'm going to say you guys were the best team in Bloomington since Calbert Chaney was a senior. You know, I think that was the best IU team for 20 years, and certainly, you know, the best one we've had since you guys were there. And 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 there was like just having IU with the number one next to it for so much of the season and going into the NCAA tournament, the ups and downs of Big Ten, but ultimately finishing with that Michigan game to be the outright Big Ten winners. Uh, even getting to the Sweet 16, which we now no longer take for granted, is like a big deal. So what is it for you? What's, how many parts you look back at that season fondly? And with pride and satisfaction, and how much of it is just being disappointed, you guys didn't make it to the final four, uh, even even win a championship. W- where's that play out for you?
3: At the top of the list, I feel like it, it plays out at the top of the list of everybody, man. Anytime we get back together, even even Coach Cream, bro, I, I really do like. Anytime he get with us, I can see it on his face, man. Anytime all us around, like you know, it's one of them things where, hey, man, I don't, I don't, I don't mess this up, like. Like, we, we should, there's no way we shouldn't we should not want the championship as close, as close as team camaraderie as we had, camaraderie as we had, and just the, the level of talent we had and, and what it takes and knowing. And, you know, man, we, we just, we squandered one away right there, man. And it's tough, it's tough to get over with. But, you know, nonetheless, bro, we had a great, amazing year. Some, some, some bonds and some friendships and some, 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 some brotherhood that I'll never be able to, you know, Simulate again. I've never, I've never had that much fun playing basketball again. Like I'm, I'm sure I never will because it's just, it's rare. It's rare to find that. It's rare to be a teammate like that. Have teammates like that that really care for each other, man. And it was, it was, it was definitely one of one of the most memorable and best times in my life for sure.
1: And and I can tell you from a fan's perspective, going on that journey from your freshman year through your senior year was just one of the most satisfying things as a fan to see the work that you guys put in to see how well you represented the school to see how much you liked each other the passion that you played with you brought us along that ride i will never forget that as a fan so thank you for that
3: man i thank y'all thank y'all for y'all continual support man it meant a lot of people don't know man but it meant a lot to us as, as a team man we wanted to do it for more than, more than ourselves, but, you know, for the whole Hoosier nation. So I'm, 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 I'm thankful for that.
0: From that point on with Coach Crean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the seasons that followed. And obviously there's some bad luck with, like, OG getting hurt and things like this. But I think what was, what was so fun about that ride was, like, you guys left the program that year. And we knew, look, we're losing some amazing players. And it's going to take mm-hmm. a little bit. But basically the program is back. Right. But it then it, it it never it never got back to what you guys had and the wheels came off slowly but surely and here we are several years later with a different coach. Like why don't you think Crean was able to be the guy after getting you guys to that point? Because I think we all thought. Up to that Syracuse game, no doubt. This is it. We're back. We're now back, and we'll be up and down a little bit like all great programs. But now we're back. We've got the coach and the program's right where it should be. And then somehow that all went away. What What happened?
3: Uh, I I, I can I say that, you know, a couple times we had a couple guys leave. Uh, Man, you know, we had Noah Vonley. He left early. That hurt. When you when you put your eggs in, in one basket like that, man, and, and somebody leaves or leaves early or somebody gets hurt, I feel like Coach Crane had a lot of that going throughout, obviously. And um, with, with Noah left, Troy left, um, um, James got hurt. There's a lot of stuff that went through, man. We had a, we had a lot of guys that, that got hurt and stuff like that. But it's tough, man. I know. Um, as a coach, any other the university, man, is the expectations are 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 extremely high. Uh, I know that was tough. For, I know that I know that became a tough a tough one for Coach Crean, and um, you know even 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 Yogi senior year when we got to the uh, Sweet Sixteen, it just wasn't the same. I felt like uh, I know Hoosier Nation wanted more than that, and that was tough for Coach Crean and, and to get done, man. If you don't, if that's, people like people got tired of Sweet Sixteen, and that and that's just the that's just the the known fact about Indiana is the expectations are high. You know what I'm saying? So that wasn't enough, and I don't know why, man, but it just we just couldn't get over the hump. So sure.
1: a couple questions from uh, Hoosier Nation that have come in through me that, that they wanted me to ask you. Oh. What was it like for you um, while you were there and since just dealing with the intense IU fanatics like us? Like, like I mean, us. What, what – because there's been a lot of talk lately about just Indiana fans maybe going overboard uh, from time to time. What was that like for you playing there, and what has it been like since? Playing there,
3: I didn't really pay attention to too much um, social media where it wasn't as big as it is now. It was it was big, but it wasn't as big as it is now. But Hoosier fans definitely go over the top. I will tell you that uh, I've searched now. Now that I'm not playing, I go back and I search IUBB and it's just people talking reckless and talking crazy. I feel sometimes, you know, I feel for these kids, man. They're kids at the end of the day, like, you know, I've seen some stuff and people People came up to me saying ruthless stuff. And, you know, I wish you would tell your ACLs. I wish you, Oof. you know, all types of crazy stuff. I done got, I done got some all kind of, what people actually like, Come up to you and say these type of things in your face. But as a kid, man, no kid should have to go through that.
1: Wait, it, in, An Indiana fan comes up to you and says, "I should." You? Well, they hope you tear your ACLs. Man, I never forget. I was in a
3: grocery store. A guy came up and told me this when I was in when I was in school. Crazy.
1: Wow. wow. And how do you deal with that when it happens? I mean, you're a kid. And... Hey, man. You, you know what I'm saying?
3: I I I, I know I would really have reacted totally different if that would have happened to this day, but I couldn't back then like i couldn't believe like those men said and i'm like wow you know what i'm saying like
1: yeah if it happened today you plain, just knock them out
3: you're right you know what i'm saying totally it's totally different today man so i but i that's just a, that's just a, it makes you mentally tough i tell you that for sure man and, no but no kids should have to go through that you know what i'm saying like people got to realize that these like, people that ain't out here trying to lose basketball games and these kids obviously we know that it's a it's a different standard when you when you when you put on the cream and crimson you know what i'm saying colors and stuff like that but it's iu fans can go over the top a little bit yeah
1: i would argue that that guy and anybody who's ever in even the world of that kind of behavior that's not an indiana fan i mean we don't want them to be indiana fans i'd rather they should go root for kentucky because that that, i I can't (laughs) um so here's a question for you we know what your favorite memory was at indiana there's no doubt about that Uh but other than the shot what is your single favorite memory on the court of Indiana and off the court at Indiana?
3: Ooh, on the court, off the court. On the court, besides that, besides the, obviously the, the main thing, but besides that one, um, uh, probably the North Carolina State game. That's probably my second most favorite memory because, I, like I said, that was that was the rebirth to us in the, in the locker room. Sure. You know what I'm saying? That was the rebirth of us, and we finally felt like, hey man, like we really got something going here of just. I was just constant, you know, my first two years was just so tough, man. Y'all, like, it was just so tough, such a it was such a constant grind, grind. We felt like we weren't, felt like we wasn't never gonna get over the hump, and you know, for that to happen, we felt like that was a big step for us. And off the court, the first selection Sunday, nice. That was probably the biggest thing. Uh,
0: Where'd you guys watch it? Well, where, yeah, where what, what was the scenario?
3: Memorial Stadium in like in the top of it up there. It's, it's like a big, big room we, we watched it. and We had like a big party, man, and it was, it was crazy. It was, it was one of the most exciting things, the most joyous things to be around, and we all hugged and embraced each other. It was just a big time for us for sure.
1: Yeah, you, you didn't have so, that nice players lounge they have now.
3: No, nah, no, nah, we didn't have all that. Dinner, man. We, <laughs> we,
1: didn't, we didn't have none of that. But, um, so I got to tell you a personal story that's going to lead us to our next topic. So I went to the Big Ten tournament your senior year. In Chicago. And in between games or something, I meet your father, Ernest Mm -hmm. Watford, and he could Mm -hmm. not have been a more uh, gracious, nice human being. He talked to me. It wasn't like just trying to get rid of the conversation. He was just so nice. And again, it it burned in my head. This is what Coach Crean meant by recruiting families. He wanted families Mm -hmm. like your family.
2: But yep, I also no
1: I also met a young boy who was in the crowd who was <laughs> your brother named Trendon Watford, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: who was just I don't know. I mean, how old was he then? He was, I don't know, nine, 10 years old. Man, at the time. Yeah. Nine, 10
3: years yeah. old. Yeah.
1: ten nine ten 10 years old. Like that. And I remember thinking to myself and I think I even asked him, like, you play basketball? He said, yeah. And I go, well, one day, one day this could be you. We love to have another Watford because we love Christian. So let's get into your brother a little bit first. Let's I think, talk I, I to think you. that sentiment still holds true, doesn't it? Yes. How close? Uh, talk to us about your relationship with your brother.
3: Man, my relationship with my brother is probably the closest thing to me right now. I, me and my brother super, super, super close uh, with everything we do, and it's always been like that. Uh, you know, like I said, he watched me grow up. He he was there through a lot of the things and. You know, I just try to help him, try to be a mentor to him and help him throughout a lot of things that he goes through.
1: So he's going through something right now, which is a recruiting uh-huh. process, and he's been going right, through right. it for several years. He's right. recently listed a top five, and there's mm-hmm. a school in that top five called Indiana University. How mm-hmm. in the world do you manage being the best brother you can be while also obviously loving Indiana University?
3: Oh, I try. I just try not
1: to be biased, man. I try to do what,
3: you know, it's my brother at the end of the day. So I try not to be biased when it comes to a university. I want what's best for him. Um, his path may not be my path, you know. what I'm saying it's it's totally different in that area. But I, I do I do want what the best for him and where the best place is gonna that's gonna allow him to go fulfill his dream. And um, you know whether that be Indiana, whether that be another school that's on his top five. That's what I'm. That's what my loyalty lies at from the beginning, you know what I'm saying? But obviously, obviously I got my, you know, my own, you know, where I, where I think and in, in my own, you know, where I think he should go. Indiana University.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean,
3: <laughs> you want him to go to Indiana, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I would love my brother to play there, I, mean, I got like, but like I said, I just want what's best for him, you know what I'm saying?
0: When you're talking to him about it or thinking yourself about like, what is the best fit? Obviously it's gotta be playing time what kind of basketball do they play at these places? what do these coaches have to offer? can you sit here and tell us you 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 think that someplace has a better opportunity for him than Indiana
3: uh it appears man uh, I can't I can't really say um
0: because you just don't know like you, you it's you hard just, to say just
3: it's hard to say man this recruiting process has been real tough. I'm sure I don't even think my I don't even think mine's with this stuff. Honestly, like, it's so hard. It's tough right now.
1: Well, I also want there, there's obviously been a big change at Indiana from when you played to what's going on now. Your coach that you mm-hmm. played for is no longer there. What is your relationship right. with Archie Miller?
3: Uh, it's growing. Um, I mean, Archie got a great relationship. Uh, obviously, it's been it's been in more detail now because it's because of my, you know, he's recruited my brother. But regardless of if he recruited my brother or not, uh, we would have a great relationship just because I think Archie's done a great job with, with making me feel welcome as as an, as an alumni and stuff like that. He's he's reached out to me, you know, stuff like that. But it's a little different now, obviously because my brother my my, my brother is involved and stuff like that. So our relationship is always about hey what we got to do to get trending type type, you know what I'm saying, stuff stuff like that. So
1: We talked a little bit about the downside of the fanaticism at Indiana, which is just horrifying, but there's also a lot of upside. There's Mm -hmm. also a lot of people that I think because of the way you played at Indiana, because of the way you represented the school, you have a ton of people across this country who would do anything to help you if you ever needed any help. Do you feel that, Mm -hmm. being an alumni of Indiana?
3: Uh, To an extent, man. I know it's – but I hadn't really – I to say I hadn't really tapped into it like I know I could uh, obviously because I'm still playing basketball but I've had people reach out to me we got some of the most biggest alumni man and I've had people reach out to me and, and, and want to help me and I'm sure I'm sure I'm going to need them at some point in time you know in life for sure is that and, um,
1: is that part of the thinking when you are talking to your brother and you're talking about just this is a, the biggest decision he's going to have made in his life to this point. Do you talk about what the long-term implications are beyond basketball for each of these schools?
2: Oh,
3: I, I do, of course. I do. I, I think about that and I talk to him about that. And, uh, but with that being said, the schools on his list a lot of, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot of alumni base and, and stuff like that everywhere, but you know, obviously Indiana's one of one of the top alumni bases in, in the country. So, of course I tell him about that and stuff like that, but does that register with a 17, 18-year-old? Probably not. Right, you know, what I'm saying? you don't, you don't, you don't think about it. At, all. All, 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 at this point, like, 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 like I was, all he's thinking about is, hey, man, I'm trying to get to the NBA. Like, that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that. So I, I, I'm, I'm the one that you know talks to him about other stuff, and you know, put some, put some different stuff on his mind. And so whether the ball ain't always gonna bounce.
0: So whether or not he ends up playing for Coach Archie, we, we have to ask everybody who knows way more mm-hmm. about basketball than we do.
1: Wait, are we done talking about
0: Trendon? I'm not done. Uh, well, I, <laughs> I want to ask him if he thinks Archie's the man. All right, all right. He, but I'm got, going back to Trendon after that. Well, and, and, I mean, I think it dovetails into, like, I think, well,
3: I'll go like this. I think Archie's the man, man, but I, I know Archie got to get some players in there. man. I know that's tough. Uh, he got to get some more players in there, It's it's gonna to be tough to fill. You got you got to get one thing that I know you got to do at Indiana to win, bro. You have to get talent. So
0: hook a brother up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so he got to get he got hey, more than more than just trending, bro. To win and win consistently in the Big Ten and 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 meet expectations at Indiana, you have to. Get a lot of recruits, like you you know what I'm saying. You get not not just a lot of recruits, but you got to get the right recruits. Right.
1: I think that's the key. It's not just the recruits and the star ranking. It's how do you build a team.
3: You got to get the right ones. It's just tough for them. So,
0: so, so you would add to the chorus of stacking classes. Give the man time. Give the man time to get his own recruits in there. Be patient, Hoosier Nation. This is not something we can determine after two seasons what we've really got here.
3: Right, right, right. I know, I know, I know. He's gonna need more than two seasons. I don't know if the Hoosier Nation gonna wait that long or however long it is, but hey, I know it's tough for him. Put it like
1: that. There's been a lot of buzz online that there has been over the recent, let's call it six weeks or so, renewed talks between Trendon and Indiana, and that more conversations have happened recently than happened a couple months ago. Is that true? That's true. All right, so I'm just gonna ask this, and then I promise I'll move on. Does Indiana have a legitimate chance to see Trendon Watford wearing candy stripes?
3: They have a legitimate chance for what Trendon wants, and you know Trendon, Trendon is kind of one of those guys that wants to have his, they want to be the focal point and want to have his own own kind of program and have his own thing, and that makes that makes Indiana more appeasing than it than it than it has in the previous past. Especially if I mean, you guys let me know what you guys think, but I'm pretty sure Romeo's leaving, right? Oh yeah, yeah. he's gone. Okay, so yeah, yeah, you know that's what. Trenton kind of wants his own team in that, in that manner, so that's why talks have increased, in my opinion.
1: Got it. Have you played him one-on-one recently?
3: Uh, I played him last summer. Who won? Last time I played him. Who we won? Play, we played every summer. Right? He had not beat me yet.
1: He has not beat you yet.
3: <laughs> no, nah, he, ain't, he, ain't, he ain't beat me yet. We play, we'll probably play again this summer. He'll probably get a little closer, but
1: he probably you know, still ain't going to beat me.
3: Trenton will probably beat me uh, maybe when he goes to school.
1: Maybe. All right. Well, I love that you still beating him. I do want to read you a quote. Here's a Mm -hmm. quote from him in an interview he did recently talking about Mm -hmm. you in his recruitment. Mm -hmm. Quote, he's been a big factor in my recruitment and I lean on him for a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Christian, you just got to do some subliminal some. I mean, we just got to get him. We just got to get him to Indiana. I mean, we just got to get him. (laughs) I mean that's it. We gotta get him. And by the way, I don't know if this is a cherry on top, but he can be he can be a co-host of this podcast if he wants to. I mean, does he have a sports broadcasting future
2: that he's uh, looking hey, to do?
3: Hey, hey, I'm sure I'm sure he will. I'm sure he'll try to do something like that at school for sure.
1: Well, he's got two fans built in because we're huge fans of his brother. And uh, I think I, I have to tell you, Christian. I think that the reason there is so much fervor about your brother is not just because. Of the fact that we need players and we need top tier players, it's because of what you meant to Indiana. It's because of the way yeah, you represented sure. the school.
0: That Watford name brings a lot of very happy baggage with it. You just
3: played does, the game the right it way. Does, it does. It brings it brings a lot of happy baggage. But I, I ask you guys a question: You think it could bring negative baggage on the, as well? Like we just talked about how the how no. the fanatic fans are. I think it no. could be. It could be a. You don't think so? No, well, there,
0: look, there is nothing but... You don't but, think
3: the expectations that would be higher because if his brother played there before? N- no,
0: I, I, I think that there's nothing but obviously love for you and what you did for Indiana University. It was the last great era of Indiana basketball was the time you were there. And I think, especially with the different coaches, and we've had so many over the last 17, 18 years, it's like... Anything to bridge the gap between the eras. Like, that was the last great Indiana University team, and it wasn't that long ago. And so I think to have the next generation, not even the next generation, just the younger sibling come in and hopefully be a part of the next great Indiana team, I think it just gets people all jacked about the present and the past coming together. So I I, I think only only positive vibes come from that.
2: Look, okay, I was
3: just asking because I was talking to I was talking to to some of you guys the other day and we was talking about it. So I was just asking, just wanted to get yeah, you guys' look, take on
1: it. Look, let's be honest. There's crazy moron fans at every school. Is there some for idiot sure who's going to say something stupid to Trendon? Probably, for sure, it'll happen. Yeah. But overall, he's going to walk in if he comes to Indiana to a family that's ready to accept another member. And I don't know if that is true anywhere else he goes. And to share a personal story, I graduated Indiana in 1999, and my younger brother went to Indiana, and there was no pressure on him to do anything, so everything worked out fine. I mean, I was a telecommunications mm-hmm. major, but, you know, it seems like the same basic thing, right?
3: Yeah, no doubt.
1: <laughs> well, not look, <laughs> Christian, thank you so much for your time, man. We, uh, we have been wanting to talk to you since we started this podcast. You, you gave us both... Not just the one single memory that will live forever, but your four years there, how you played the game, how you represented the school, how you continue to, and and how your family represented the school, regardless of where Trendon goes, is exactly what we want Indiana basketball to be. You're a reminder of that constantly. We follow you. Uh, I follow your stats in the G League. I'm rooting for you in the G League, in your basketball career, and beyond. And we just want to thank you so much for everything you did for Indiana and for everything you've done for the Hoosier Hysterics with this very long interview. We really appreciate it.
3: Hey, man, no problem, man. Like I said, I'm glad you guys had me, man. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm thankful to be, be a part of you guys' podcast, and I've enjoyed it for sure.
1: Uh, one more thing. Just make sure Trenton goes to Indiana. Just make sure Trenton goes to
3: Indiana. <laughs> All it. right, I, I do my I do my best. Yeah, man. do that. Y'all.
1: Do your best, and then come and talk. And if by the way, if he wants to announce it, uh, I know he's talking about announcing it at the Jordan Brand thing. I guess that's a big deal. But if he wants to announce it on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast, we would do that too.
2: Yeah, my garage,
1: <laughs> my
0: garage here in Glendale, California, I could easily hold three or four. If you want to come with him,
3: okay, okay, cool. I'll keep that in mind. We'll definitely keep that in mind. <laughs> All right,
1: Christian, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time. Thank y'all, man. Enjoyed it. Well,
0: that was him. That was the guy who shot it.
1: That was the guy who made the shot against Kentucky. That was the Watt from the Watt shot. We talked to the Watt. What the hell was that? What we, we
0: just talked. We just talked to him.
1: It's amazing. He's a he's a good dude. He's a good dude, and it,
0: it feels a little incomplete. Not like shaking his hand
1: I know, or hugging him. Yeah. I mean if we would hug all these people, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Kent Benson would have hugged us.
0: No, we may have, would have went in for it, but I bet he just would have crushed our hands. He instead. would have put up the
1: left hand <laughs> armbar to stop us. Maybe forearm shiver. Jordy would have hugged us. Yeah. Calbert, I think we would've gotten a hug from Calbert, truthfully. I think we got a hug from most of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk to Christian Watford for like an hour and 45 minutes, and the guy was super cool. Do
0: you think we moved the needle on Trendon, though? I
1: think if anything, we heard it. Yeah, probably. I think if there's (laughs) anything we did, we moved it back a couple pegs.
0: Listen, little bro, you do need to think about some of these weirdos you might have to deal with if you go to IU.
1: (laughs) I mean, let's just take a moment to realize that Christian Watford was a great player at Indiana. We went through the stats at the beginning. Great. Top 10 in scoring and rebounding. Yeah, yeah. He's at a grocery store. And an Indiana fan, a so-called Indiana fan, probably after a tough game for Christian, went up to him and said, I hope you tear both of your ACLs. That gentleman, Christian Watford, who heard that as a kid, still loves Indiana, wants a relationship with Archie Miller, building a relationship, and wants his brother to go to Indiana University. Indiana's a special place. We have some jackbags as fans that we have got to weed out.
0: Well, and I do think this podcast, your tweets— could all be a part of an ongoing PSA that needs to spread, uh, particularly to the social media side of things, that we know it hurt in the recruitment of Keon. We know that those jackbags hurt. So if you're listening to this podcast, tell a friend. Tell an IU friend, if you think eh, he or she's out of control uh, tweeting at our players inappropriately, let them know. Or let them know to let other people know. We need we need to get a groundswell going here of, of hey guys, just be cool, particularly to our own players. How
1: about don't be a jackbag? I mean, it's so simple. It's like, don't be... Don't do anything that if you had to explain what you did to your mother, you would be embarrassed by. Isn't that a simple rule? Yeah, and it's okay to be critical of the games and to be critical of the play that's fine
0: well but we've been critical of the players early on we this have, podcast we have and we've
1: probably gone over the line a couple times so do you think, think we're done op- with that now well I think it's okay to do in jest and most of what we do is joking around it's true it's not malicious there is no
0: player we've that's ever got, played
1: we've, ta- we've been mad when we've, we've talked been about mad, it too but I would never go up to a player and
0: say anything harmful to the player right but I think, I think what we're talking about now of, of the future of recruiting, the present of recruiting, is how can you avoid these really negative, toxic comments specifically about players reaching the players.
1: Yeah, it's true, and everything reaches them. I mean, that is, I, I will tell you.
0: And it's a brave new world, right? Like, this is all just in the last few years that this come about, so there needs to be. And uh, they read them. Uh, there needs, yeah, there needs to be an awareness that these, the vocal minority can be a real problem so let's like give them the good kind of peer pressure to
1: stop yes the problem is for those jackbags and that's what i'm gonna continue to call them the fact that the players read them emboldens them that's what they like because when they're trolls they're trolls right when we were kids and uh you know i'm trying to think of the player that drove me crazy if todd lindman did something to drive me crazy and i'm like you're seven feet tall why can't you just dunk the basketball when you get it Uh, There was no mechanism for Todd Lindemann to hear my ire. If at the time somebody would have told me, hey, you can put something out here and Todd Lindemann will read it, I may have grabbed onto that because it made me feel powerful. And that's what social media has done to these jackbags. It makes them feel like they have some power in the world that they wouldn't otherwise have. Uh, And it's harmful. So we, as the true Hoosier Nation, have to snuff that out. And we also got to get Trenton in Watford to Indiana. Yeah, that would make everything better. Yeah. I mean, it would sure make me forget about, what was his name? Uh, Beyond Cooks. Beyond Cooks. Yeah. It would make me forget about Beyond Cooks. <laughs> Good. All right, Ward, another fun one. We got some fun ones coming up. Yep. I think we can actually tease what the next one is. You do? Yeah, because I don't think we're going to put one out before it. Okay.
0: Go ahead. Go, you go ahead. Wait, you're talking about Jeff Van Gundy? I am.
1: That's crazy.
0: Jeff Van Gundy is going to talk to us primarily about Indiana basketball, but we got to take it oh, other places. We're going to go wide on that. I mean, Great. we're going to
1: talk about him clutching Alonzo Mourning's leg, being dragged around Madison Square Garden. I mean, I want to talk about those Pacers Knicks games
0: in the 90s. We're I was talk about at that.
1: those games. We're going to talk about the fact that he was the grad assistant for Rick Pitino in 1987 Providence Friars Final Four team, the same Final Four that Indiana beat UNLV and beat Syracuse for the national Title?
0: He witnessed greatness.
1: I wonder if he had any encounters with Coach Knight. Or with Steve Alford. Or with Steve Alford. He probably knows Steve. He probably he does. From being in the coaching ranks. All right, so this has been fun, a really long one, but I think Christian was there at such a monumental time that it was worth going through it. And then he's got this just total connection to possible future of indiana so but with his brother but
0: i did calculate i was like uh, my guesstimate was that there's been like 144,000 shots in indiana university basketball history is that true you well, the, i mean it was a rough estimate on like shots per game over like a hundred four thousand. yeah and, and his was i think one of two
1: well it's number one at assembly hall
0: Number one at Assembly Hall, no doubt. But but all time, I mean all time, all time. There's yeah, only a, there's only one other it's one. It's hard
1: to put it ahead of winning the title.
0: You you can. I mean the thing was like it, with with Keith Smart shot, time did not expire.
1: Fair enough. You know, also it but wasn't it, program altering. Like I I do think that even if it didn't really alter the program, the Watt shot. It certainly altered the perception of the program, which had just been a dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, but for like two years. That's why at this no, point, no longer in the than hindsight. two years. Longer mm, than two years. Maybe I-, I
1: would say longer than two years. Crean, Coach Crean had a down year the year after they left, but then he did bounce back and win another Big Ten title and go to the Sweet Sixteen. So I, there were questions for sure, but it certainly put us on the map. But it's like that was like a
0: four-year spike in terms of the trajectory of the program. Uh, trajectory maybe before it started petering out again, but it's like over here you have one of the five
1: banners. That's fair, although I would say in the moment and what it did for that moment and and the next couple years, like it's not that shot's fault that Coach Crean couldn't sustain the success. In the national eye, it definitely changed the perception of our program, which had been irrelevant for several years.
0: Would you put the watch out, as a bigger shot in program history than
1: Keith Smart shot. God, it's hard because, like you say, there's a trophy for the one that Keith Smart a, hit. A big-ass banner. And one of five a, for Indiana. There's a star on our There's b- a banner. Butts. There's a trophy. There's a star. But for the watch shot, there is just an indelible memory that I remember where I was when Keith Smart hit the shot. I was As young. Do I, yeah. I, I was 10. Yep. I don't remember every detail like I do. I mean, the, this is a ridiculously long podcast now, and I apologize, but that shot changed the course of my life, and, and that's not an exaggeration. My ex-wife, who I'm still best friends with, after that shot, I was so happy, and I was in Connecticut because I was thinking about taking a job in Connecticut. I was so elated. We went out to dinner that night, a really nice steak dinner to kind of celebrate. And I made the decision to not take the job. Part of it was because I was just so happy with, like, my life at that moment, with Indiana winning that game and feeling good about that, that I just felt like, don't rock the boat. You know, don't rock the boat. And my ex at the time, who was smarter than I was, said, you will never forgive yourself if you don't take this job. And I just remember being so elated in that moment that because of the shot, I'm telling you, because of the mood it put me in, I was so open to whatever she was saying because I felt like she was part of the happiness that I just deferred to her. Mm. And I took it. I was, I was going to say no to that job. Wow. I had decided to say no. No And kidding. she talked me out of it and talked me into taking the job, which was a great decision for my career. But that shot changed my life. Wow. So I, you're right. That the shot isn't bigger than Key smart shot, but it is also. <laughs> for, like, for you personally,
0: yes. Right. And, then, I mean, yeah, look, that was – I remember before the 87 shot, Uwe Blobs, like my first right. memory of Indiana University basketball. But that is such a distinct early memory of that shot dropping through the net i didn't think it was going in it sort of seemed to me from the perspective like it was going to be an air ball but it was bucket but it was bucket and and so but it's hard because then as an adult uh you're you're you've gone through a lot of not being great we never
1: went through the bad yeah to get there
0: we were born into greatness so, so yeah. Look, and it's one A and one B, right? But at the end of the day, I feel like you know, out of a hundred and fifty thousand shots, you know, we got to talk to one of the two. Maybe we get Keith Smart on here before and too long. I also long.
1: think for a generation of kids that were growing up, that were the same age that we were when Smart hit the shot, that is the defining memory of Indiana University for sure. Of the last. 30 years yeah i mean it's since smart shot so for for a couple generations of indiana fans growing up that is the shot and the moment
0: i think aj's block of boozer is 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 like the the the, that's that's the moment in between it's true is in between keith's shot no disagreement
1: and watt's shot no disagreement there what helps that shot is youtube and social media For sure. You can find the smart shot, but the footage is even grainier. It's 4 by 3 and not widescreen. Short shorts everywhere. Yeah. And then, of course, you don't have all the stuff you talked about, the Knicks footage. Right.
0: People doing comp videos of,
1: of the greatest reactions ever. Right. Anyway, thanks for listening. Really great to go down memory lane with Christian Watford. Sorry for the length. Ward, anything to say before we head out of here?
0: Can't wait for Jeff Van Gundy halls of assembly you'll hear us scream and shout our love of indiana is manic and devout argy and his boys we discuss in unique manner we won't be satisfied until we hang on all the banner us two goofy guys go by names of war and, and as you probably know by now we're hoosier hysterics hoosier hysterics hoosier hysterics